Happy New Year, everybody. Two quick things before we get into our conversation about Bumblebee. Um, if you happen to be listening on SoundCloud, you'll see that the thumbnail image is an original piece of fan art from Ryan Jett from the Autopod Decepticast depicting Generation 1 Bumblebee alongside Haley Steinfeld's character from the movie Charlie, uh, kind of bringing together two different eras of Transformers. It's a, it's a wonderful piece, and with his uh, permission, I've put it up as the... Uh, Uh, cover art for this week's episode. Um, If you happen to be listening on any other podcasting platform, you won't be able to see it, but he he shared that piece out on Twitter. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to enjoy and share. Check it out. It's really very cool. Also, stick around after the credits for some outtakes and an exclusive sneak preview of the Autopod Decepticast holiday special dropping January 7th. Mike Cybert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! In this country, we say Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my English with stints. <laughs> Merry New Year, indeed, and welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And the spelling on that, in case you got a pen and a pen and something to write on, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just the way that it sounds. Good morning. Uh, this is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. And on this very special New Year's Day episode, we're talking Bumblebee as we welcome back. Oh no, where's my thing? See, this is what I get for trying to do two things at once. We're going to welcome back my good friends from the Autopod Decepticast. See, the, the intro music was just too far away. Well, apparently I can't do two sound effects at once. Yeah, there we go. So we'll, we'll, we'll try that again. Gentlemen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Um, because, uh, you know, every podcast is somebody's first podcast. So just, uh, yeah, kind of go around the room, introduce yourselves, and, and we'll go from there. Hi, this is Aaron. From the Autopod Decepticast. I am Ryan, also from the Autopod Decepticast. And I'm Caleb. Who's from the Autopod Decepticast. <laughs> Great. It's almost like uh, like we rehearsed this or something, but... Uh... Oh, we nailed it. Yeah, we should have done the Three Stooges. Hello, hello, hello. 
Well, you know, I mean, you know, we we were talking earlier and, you know, we've we've done a few of these shows at this point. So listeners should know you guys and know us and know us together and stuff. But I have uh, I I have uh, uh, something incredibly special for us uh, for this very special episode. Here comes a new challenger. Yeah, so I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a very special guest that will be joining us. He is tosser of pizzas, catcher of bugs, um, and also has something to do with riding motorcycles. But maybe, uh, Aaron, you could tell me about that in a sec. Please give it up for our very special guest. And his name is John C. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, sorry to disappoint. John Cena will uh, will will not be joining us, but I'm sure that is not the last unexpected John Cena meme that we will hear throughout the show. Uh, don't you worry about that. Please give it up for Michael Andrews. How how you doing, buddy? Hey, good, good, good. You guys will just have to settle for me in place of sweet, sweet John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. So uh, so now that the gang is all here and the table is set, um, again, we are talking about Bumblebee, uh, uh, which uh, came out in theaters just before the Christmas holiday. It is the sixth installment of the live-action Transformers series and seventh overall. Uh, it was uh, directed by Travis Knight um, in his first live-action film um, and written by Christina Hodgson and stars Haley Steinfeld, John Cena, and a whole bunch of other people, as well as uh, some really cool uh, voice actors that uh, that we will get to in due course. Um, on a budget of between $100 million and $137 million, current box office is at $156.8 right. million. Dollars. Oh. So, and, is that domestic? Uh, that's global. Okay. That's global. I was a little worried it wouldn't make its money back, so that's encouraging. Yeah, I was seeing some articles uh, very early on on like some of like the G.I. Joe pages that I follow saying like, well, you know, uh, due to Bumblebee's success, you know, maybe what, what does this mean for the upcoming Snake Eyes movie? You know, is, is Snake Eyes going to be Bumblebee for G.I. Joe? And it's like... Ooh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would be hanging my hat on the uh, quote-unquote uh, success quite yet, but it seems like it's doing quite well uh, so far. But let's 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 unpack this a little bit up front because um, it's it's critically the highest rated of all of the Transformers movies. It's got like a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, maybe like at a different show at a different time, we'll unpack uh, whether or not Rotten Tomatoes is even credible anymore um, because, <laughs> well, I, I don't know, man. And and I, I consider myself to at least be tangentially part of the Transformers community, but I, I've also found myself reading some Transformers journalism and i think i mean the the thing with rotten tomatoes is you know as long as you say you have like a website or something like that i think you're pretty much in you can be a critic for rotten tomatoes and put in something that's you know poorly written with bad punctuation mm -hmm. as long as you say you like the movie that i think that contributes to the 90 percent. you know i just i just got through so saying maybe there's just this cartel of of Transformers fans who signed up to Rotten Tomatoes to be a reviewer so that they could pump up the stats for this movie. You know,
know what? Don't don't even start with that stuff because any time <laughs> that like a DC movie is panned and a Marvel movie is praised, that's what people will go to. They're saying like, I mean, th- I mean, this is like a legit conspiracy theory that like the mouse hires people to you know like sign up for websites and all this other stuff to pad those numbers now my absolutely my my very quick note on that is that i i'm a popular consensus guy so i feel that while the numbers are generally inflated especially now um because i mean there was a time i would say i don't know maybe 10 years ago or maybe even as recently as five years ago where it was uncommon for a movie to be over 90% unless it was some pretentious Oscar bait. Those days are over because I think of the proliferation of, you know, internet journalism and, uh, and things like that. So, um, but, but my point of that is that generally the consensus still follows. And what, what, I, what I mean by that is like, you know, 90%, 60%, whatever, that's still a majority. So if the majority says that this is an okay movie, it's probably an okay movie. If the popular consensus says that it's a, a not great movie, like something that's, you know, uh, rotten, which I believe is under 55% or something like that, um, yeah, it's generally not a great movie. Um, but anyway, I, I apologize. I, I started off the show kind of getting us uh, uh, way, way far afield. But but no, to your point, though, 93 uh, percent is like Toy Story territory right. or even Godfather territory. Or I don't know how many there are that are at 100 percent. But but um, uh, it, it feels really high in a way that only really kind of groundbreaking, innovative "Quote unquote artistic, maybe pretentious, yeah. but certainly Oscar Beatty movies are, and this certainly isn't that." Right. So I think let's let's uh, let's pivot there for a second. What I'd like to do before before I mean, because I mean, we're gonna we're gonna spoil things, we're gonna unpack things, and we're just gonna have you know a, a robust discussion um, about this movie because really, I mean, we've all been talking about it on our various shows at various times, so. Um, this uh, this feels very appropriate that we're all here together to talk about it. But what I what I would like to start with, though, is um, get out your oven mitts and let's just go around the room real quick and just kind of do scalding hot takes. Um, so let's uh, and and just uh, just for the sake, because, you know, as folks are listening they're, um they may know us individually, but they may not know us as a big group. So why don't you start uh, with your name and then your uh, then your scalding hot takes? Why? Uh, uh, why don't we start with Aaron since we were just chatting with him a second ago and we'll we'll just kind of go round robin from there. Uh, my hottest take, it's 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 uh, it is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It is competent. Uh, but I feel like the entire world has judged it versus uh, what came before it and not what it is. And yeah. I think I feel like that maybe falsely inflates the numbers. But I mean, I think it has its charming moments. I think it's uh, I think they try to kind of take advantage of some trends in movie making or television making right now that we'll mm-hmm. talk. We can unpack later. But yep. overall, good. I It's clean. It's. Yeah, sure. I'll jump on the bandwagon. The best Transformer movie outside of the 1986 movie, of course. <laughs> and uh, leave it at that. Okay. 
This is Ryan. Um, I felt like I, I think I probably enjoyed it more than anybody or the three of us. Um, it's hard for me. And I understand what Aaron was saying about comparing it to the older other movies, the Michael Bay movies. Um, but it just like it made me very happy to watch it. I um, and of course, I cried a bunch um, because I have problems. Um, but it. Um, I felt like I liked the fact that there was no, like it, it was, there were no overtly like sexual things in it. Mm-hmm. There was no, um, uh, it, 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 the jokes were actual jokes and funny and just above and beyond that. I mean, this is not a, an original thought, but it felt like ET to me basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. Caleb, DJ yes. Caleb. Well, I, um, I thought that, um, overall it was, it was a good movie. Um, I think the transforming sequences were great to watch, um, and they gave you plenty of that. Um, I think the soundtrack was awesome. I love the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say my biggest criticism is that um, they wrote the uh, they they wrote John Cena's military, um, whatever that military branch was, (laughs) was one of the most. Aaron calls it a competent movie. I say, sure, but that was one of the most incompetent militaries that I've ever <laughs> it was seen. Ridiculous. It was confu- that was confusing to me. They, they seemed uh, very gullible, uh, a very naive military, uh, easily uh, swayed. Um, uh-huh. the, the part where, and tricked. <laughs> and, yeah, so tricked. And, but, but, they, but they were like... But what it kind of fear, frustrated me where um, and confused me where, uh, you know, the, the two Decepticons were hooked up to all the systems mm-hmm. and and they're like, you know, like, well, they could access all our systems. And then the, the, the John Cena's superior the general. Yeah. yeah. He was like, well, we're going to that's OK, because uh, we're going to get all the tech technology or information for them and then we're going to sell them for scrap. And I'm like, <laughs> what the what the heck is going Seems on? Like a leap. Yeah, right they, after, they, right after they single-handedly invented the internet, but but right, but yeah. more on that later. Okay, so more on that later. Yeah. All right. All right. Point. All right. We'll come so, back to it. Yeah. yeah I didn't realize that's, that was happening. Yeah. I have a bunch of beats. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and we'll this is just our first initial take. That was my. That was my. That was my hot take. The 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 um the military uh aspect in there the, the, they just were portrayed goofy just really goofy to me <laughs> I like goofy very good all right so let's uh let's talk to michael what uh what uh because when when you reached out to me you uh i i forget how you put it in the tweet but it's like I, I have a hot take. So I I have my blast mask down. I've got my oven mitts on. I've got like my barbecuing apron on. Good, good. I'm ready. Good. Well, I mean, I guess it's a hot take if you know me at all, because I am an unapologetic Michael Bay apologist. I like all the other previous Transform movies, love them. So I will say this is not the greatest Transformers live action movie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very good. It was very, uh, you know, it definitely had that 80s uh, coming of age feel to it. Uh, beautiful, beautiful music, beautiful everything, beautiful mm-hmm. score. I think that kind of gets buried in the the cool 80s music. Yeah. But uh, but I but I did like it. Uh, I would like to see more of this world of the 80s, but did did not uh, achieve the the 93 percent that Rotten Tomatoes is giving it. 
Sure. Yeah, and you know, in, incidentally, Michael, how uh, how did you get past the sign that that says uh, over forty only? You know, in our in our little <laughs> old people G Warners uh, Transformers clubhouse here, you just kind of like you know snuck in the back way or something right. like that. I, I'm somebody's kid brother. I get to uh, I get to <laughs> climb up the rope, and mom says you have to let me play. <laughs> there you go. Let your brother play. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, as for me, I, I kind of um, I, I see where all of you guys are coming from. I I liked it. I liked it fine. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't mind watching it again. It'll you know, it'll be in the rotation once uh, once it comes out on Blu-ray. I certainly wasn't. I've seen it three times for the record. Wow. Oh, wow. So have for all three viewings. How many times have you seen the other movies? Oh, none. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I go to each of them five or six times in theaters, so seeing this one only three times Ooh. is kind of a dig at it, to be honest. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, ha- disposable income. Right, yeah. And, Maybe and- we should stop making fun of Cyber for being the rich one. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say. I always, I always judge people's wealth on how many movies they see over and over again. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> I, I reread no books. I see movies again and again. Very good. Um, so yeah, I I liked it fine. Um, it, it was it was incredibly charming at times. I uh, appreciated the story beats. I liked that the characters, for the most part, uh, were actually characters. I I enjoyed that the action was clear and that it was kind of stripped down, you know, um, up until kind of the end. And we might we might unpack that uh, uh, later. But, yeah, no, I just I, I liked that it was just a relatively straightforward story, a, you know, kind of classic 1980s coming of age type of movie just about, you know, a uh, mildly awkward teenager and her car that just happens to be a uh, uh, shape changing uh, war robot from space. So I, I, I enjoyed the simplicity of it, but Aside from some of the things that that we'll definitely talk about and gush about for uh, for some time, didn't blow my hair back. That that's my hottest take. I liked it, liked it a lot. Didn't love it. Didn't blow my hair back. So ninety three percent, you'd expect a hair blowing. Like uh, <laughs> I, like uh, it's, I, I whether love that, I love that movie, hair blowing. <laughs> that only got eighty seven percent. Strangely well, enough, same. on Rotten Tomatoes. And but yeah, I mean that that, that is a I never would have thought of Rotten Tomatoes as being quote unquote rigged until this came out because I call it rigged. I think it's just it's rigged. it's feeding it's feeding off. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I think it's just feeding off metrics that are inaccurate for what its purpose, such um, as people getting in there and, and, and sure. emotionally responding to the movie based on the previous Bay movies. Being so horrible, really. Right. right. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> F off. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, Michael, I'm glad that's why you were you were able to join us on that because really, it without your perspective, this would kind of be just kind of like a G one or uh, echo chamber, sure. which I'm totally it's, cool with. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to come in and moderate a little bit because I feel like that yeah. was what was going to happen here today. It was just uh, a bunch of uh, you guys talking about the 80s and how great they were and you can't beat the toys and masterpiece only and he's right no he's right it's like well, well you're right well you're right 
but you're not but, wrong. Like, well, except for the fact that only one person in the room really liked this movie, like like loved or maybe borderline I, loved. And, it, I, and I, it's I shocking like, who it is. Can I be honest? I it's, it's, yeah, well, like yeah, I said, Ryan. To... Ryan, what's, I'm sorry to cut in, but mm-hmm. it is interesting, you know, and it, and it shows Ryan is actually a, a, a valuable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but you know, or uh, someone who shouldn't be murdered. Uh, I guess <laughs> you know. He, Ryan's glad that you know it's it's there's not an overt you know love story here, yeah. and that it's actually uh, got some. Well, and I agree with what content. Mike said is that I I like uh, um, the the characterization is right. really good, and I care about all the characters. Whereas yeah. in the other movies, I did not not to contrast to compare. But um, I really did care about them. And, and the older I get, like the softer I, I talked yeah, about this on yeah. Mike's show earlier, the softer I seem to get where I'm like, it just everything seems to touch me. Yeah. And it's like it just like seeing her uh, uh, Haley's um, uh, ro- like relationship with Bumblebee, especially, you know, since he loses his memory and he's basically a child. Right. Um, is very emotional to me. It just it touched me in a way. And then not to jump too far ahead, but the part where there's a, the flip where like whenever the, the, the military has surrounded him and his memory comes back yeah. and then he becomes a badass. Like it was it was just a really emotional like, oh, now he's protecting her. Yeah. The short circuit moment, if you will. Yes, uh, precisely. See, I, I'll, I'll do you, nice. I'll do you one better. It's uh, it's that uh, Iron Giant moment. Because oh, I don't, I don't want to talk yeah, about that. Came, that came before oh, short Ryan, circuit. Sure. You want Ryan to try? <laughs> oh my God! Short all circuit right. said too. Yeah. Whatever. All right. All right. All right. It's, it's weird. And it's it's weird. I just one example of me crying at things now that I would have cried would have cried up. I don't know five or ten years ago. I cried watching the Winter Olympic opening ceremony. I remember you mentioning this <laughs> wow. like a lot. It was weird. <laughs> I, I came nowhere close to crying during this movie. And I am a soft touch as well. It's I true. feel like a relatively, especially well, movies more than any other media will get me there. But, right. uh, and, uh, but nowhere close mm-hmm. on this movie at all. I felt like the, in, in fact, I, I, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do feel like the characters were, were more developed in any of the Bay movies that I've seen, or maybe arguably any Transformers media. I don't know, but uh-huh. but like that, like the relationships and the bonding felt real. But uh, I don't know, either not real enough, or just didn't. <laughs> maybe it was real enough, but it just didn't. Well, you know, it's a movie, uh, and you know, you it just didn't touch you that way. Me and it's like me and Ryan, I guess. <laughs> Nothing I was also it. touched in a similar way. Oh, <laughs> you guys are out of control. Uh, <laughs> All right, but so I no, I, I got tears. I got tears going on from that. Did so you really? Much. Good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. You can't not. Well, okay, so I, I guess uh, I, I didn't, Ryan, yeah. I didn't <laughs> realize that we were going around the room sharing our our weepy stories. So I guess so. <laughs> I I um I. Okay, I I didn't even cry when Wolverine died a couple years ago. Spoilers for that movie, but um, but no, I uh, I um, during Bumblebee, I got myself. God, I I don't know what whatever the sensation is right before getting choked up. I mean, there were no tears. I didn't get welled up. Um, I didn't get choked up, but it was it was like whatever the feeling like right before that was. And, you know, jumping all the way to the end, there's there's a shot at the end that that kind of did it. You know, it's like it was just kind of mm-hmm. like a, it's like a warm smile 
um, just kind of curled across my face. I'm like, all right, you know, it's like it's like a polite head nod. You know, it's like you you see like an old friend from across the room, and they nod at you, and then you nod at them. You know, it was it was one of those one like of those, the end of Chasing Amy. Yes, that's actually exactly what I was thinking of. That's hilarious. I never would have. I never would have connected those two movies. <laughs> but, that's, that's the perfect reference, Ryan. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I mean, like really, I mean, the last time I cried was uh, I, I went to go see uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I don't want to, uh, first of all, highest possible recommendation. It is my favorite movie of the year by like a lot. But there's wow. a, um, uh, not going to spoil it, but there's a Stanley cameo in it. And mm-hmm. and the tears came, and I didn't know where they came from. I'm like, I'm like, why? Why is my face wet? I'm like, oh, <laughs> and so yeah. But so I, you know, I I don't cry at media much, but when it gets me, it gets me. Like I have this weird thing. Like sometimes, like when I watch like um, Disney movies. Like, um, like a specifically like in the theater, like I think maybe it was, oh, I forget what was the last thing I saw. Um, but there, there was something where like, you know, like the, the, the opening fanfare starts and, you know, we're panning across the castle. I get a little choky up at that. It's so weird. Um, it's, it's, it's like that one of these, well, I guess this is secret confessions with, uh, with, with Mike Seibert radio and the Autopod Decepticast and, uh, and, uh, Michael wow, Andrews, this, but this is, this is good morning Cybertron. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you Which about third grade, how much time you guys have. <laughs> well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we made references to the show I did with Ryan, but this also kind of touches into the show I did recently with Aaron and yeah, we're, we're getting squishy in our old age it's it's you know i guess those feelings just come easier or or whatever so so i want to move on otherwise we're just going to talk about uh crying in our cereal all uh all day um so question for the panel who is this movie for definitely 12 year olds (laughs) 12 year old 12 you think that's you think that's old or you think that old of a group oh oh want to go uh, well, I have two children, so let me think about this. <laughs> um, the, I've got a ten-year-old and a five-year-old. I think the ten-year-old, I think it's, I think it's right in the sweet spot. Okay. Did he show any interest in seeing it? He didn't come with us to go see it. Well, he's in California right now. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, also, you guys went to the draft house. Visiting his real dad. Oh, <laughs> man! <laughs> wow! This is an episode of Weeks from Now. Lori Lovich. I was by Gen- uh, millennials go look up Maury Pope. Is he is he interested in? I, he would like to see this, and I think he'd be really engaged by it. I don't, I don't think he would have a problem with the stuff that I have a problem with. You know, right. he could look past the incompetent military and and uh, and the unusually high ceilings. And he loves John know, Cena or used to. He does like John Cena, okay. and then and I think he liked it. So I would say uh, we're looking at it. We we can enjoy the movie. Because we're looking at it nostalgically, but I think it's really made and written for, uh, um, you know, uh, kids kids that are between the ages of you know f- five and with, fifteen. Yeah, which is what the original show yeah. was done we, to sell toys. Yeah. But also, like, I think it, it, here's my kind of thing, and like, it works. I mean, it obviously worked on me 
this is Ryan. <laughs> um, but I think it works for people who liked the G1 cartoon. I think it works right. for, oh, yeah. people, for, for children who are kind of coming into it. And like whenever we talked about whenever we went to see the, the animated movie, there were like 15, 16, 20-year-old people there that I'm like, how did you find this? Yeah. And how did you enjoy this? But I think and um, Aaron's wife, Melody, came to see the movie with us, and she said she liked it. She's probably never going to see it again, but she right. didn't dislike the experience. And, mm-hmm. and then she said even in that first... Uh, she said she loved it. Yeah, in that first uh, that scene on Cybertron, which, by the way, was so good um like seeing prime kick ass was amazing but that first scene on cybertron she said that despite like it being cgi she felt they were real characters right yeah and 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 we'll we'll talk more on that in uh in just a moment because i mean obviously Mm -hmm. like well and and the thing is and and not to distract myself too terribly much is like i've heard a lot of um, I, well, I haven't heard a lot. A couple uh, commentators, you know, podcasters, YouTubers, whatever. Um, it seems to me that the majority of the conversations that they have regarding Bumblebee are about those first four minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think people that are spending that much time on that are maybe missing the point a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I... I I'll have some more thoughts on that uh, shortly, but uh, but I I, uh, I agree with Caleb. I think that this is a movie for kids, and it's it reminds me, in a way of it, it it works in kind of the way a Pixar movie works in that like it's geared for young people, but there's enough stuff there that may sail over the the kids's head and it'll click with the adults. Specific- well, Specifically, yeah. with like a lot of the very specific um, '80s nostalgia, just in general. I mean, outside of Transformers references, just you know, like, you know, the musical choices and some of the fashion, and you know, uh, yeah. uh, some of the other things. It's like you know, it's it's again, it it it's for the parents. And in my screening, it was almost all families. It, it was a it was a bunch of little kids. And yeah. and families. And so unlike when I went to go see that that uh, one night only screening uh, Fathom events of uh, uh, the 86 Transformers, the movie where it was it was folks like me. It was, it was folks my age and like a couple teenagers. But uh, but yeah, no, this is this is for kids. I'd like to ask a quick a quick question to Michael Andrews, you know, being yes, that sir. he's seen it a handful of times. Uh, did you see it in the did you see it consistently in the same theater and regard and regardless of that, what was the what was the the crowd dynamic in those? So the first time I saw it, it was at the two weeks before the premiere. Uh, there was only one theater in my state uh, that was uh, selling tickets to that. So um, I, it was it was uh, definitely no kids there. I would say like five or six, but mostly it was like the older adult fans of Transformers. And everyone in the movie was really into it. They were cheering, uh, clapping at a lot of scenes. Um, I, the only couple in the entire theater that sat next to us were the ones that had the problem with it. And according yeah. to my girlfriend, they just constantly were making little remarks of, ugh, so predictable. Ugh, God. Why are you ugh. saying Well, I mean, yeah, anyway. Okay, I don't, yeah, I, I think they me. didn't even know. I didn't think they even know it was like a special showing. I think they just wandered in. They were locals, and they were like, oh, oh cool. jeez. Wow. So predictable. That, that <laughs> but I mean, of a really uh, quick story, and I'm so sorry. You're uh, fine. I I went to see the movie There Will Be Blood uh, when it came out uh, uh, a while back, and um, 
the movie starts and you know he's in a, a silver mine and the movie's you know it's, it's a slow slowish movie it's an awesome movie but as it's it, we're like five minutes in and these people uh get up they walk down the steps as they walk out of the theater and one of the guy goes yo fuck this movie <laughs> and in my mind i think that they were literally expecting that a violent that, that there will blood. be blood <laughs> there wasn't blood. enough blood so, they, anyway, so, so like they thought ahead, they, they thought they were seeing blood sport or something they were expecting van damme yeah. to come out and oh no, my god yeah. better movie jcvd yeah. versus daniel day lewis yeah. To the death, and they're uh, like go you know, ahead. dipping their hands in glue and all that stuff, and <laughs> so. yeah. So other than that, uh, everyone in my theater loved it. And then uh, fast forward to the second time I saw it in a very small town theater, uh, there was very little response from the audience. I don't know if they were just tired. It was late Friday night, but uh, it there was little to no, uh, you know, anything from the the crowd. And then the third time I saw it was in IMAX 3D, and it was effing amazing. Oh. The biggest 3D <laughs> fan or IMAX fan, but sure. it definitely adds something. Very good. So um, so going— Demographics, more kids in the IMAX and the, or in the second showing? Uh, you know, when I first got in, it was, it was a lot of, like, older older families, like maybe, like, grandparents and their adult children. Hmm. And then about 20 minutes into the movie, uh, a bunch of kids came in and sat right around me, even though it was a mostly empty theater, and proceeded to talk and check their phones for the entire Where thing. do you live that these because... theater goers are so bizarre? <laughs> Minnesota, baby. That's what's up. <laughs> Theaters in Minnesota are like people's living rooms. That's all wow. they do. They bring their blankets and their pillows, and they talk. <laughs> That's great. I mean, to that end, I mean, I, I think it does feel like it was geared towards families and younger kids, as Caleb was saying, like just tonally. Right. However, it, which is interesting because I feel like the Michael Bay movies, at least initially, were marketed really towards a mass population, but with yeah. a special hinge towards the fans. Like it was marketed to the fans. Now it didn't succeed at produce. Uh, let's say should say G one fans. It didn't. It shouldn't. It didn't succeed in making G one fans happy. But I feel like that's his goal was to make those people happy. Or right. he, you know, it was, I don't know. I think, goals, yeah. it, was, I think yeah. it was. That's what he expected. But I also feel like it was geared more towards adults, like eight or eighteen to thirty-four yeah. general market. You've got hot chicks and sexy scenes and whatever. The Fast and, and Furious and, crowd. That's right. right. Exactly. Well, exactly. Like he's yeah. gone on record as saying he makes movies for teenage boys. Right. So that said, it was it's an interesting sort of demographic flip how this was targeted in that way. Basically it was people with families and then G one people that are still hanging on and hoping that a movie well, like this could be made yeah. for them. They gotta throw in some elements so that they can get those people to bring their children to the movie. Right. Right. And, and I and I think families at this point have gotten wise to the game. Uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> in terms of what the the live action movies have to offer, and that's one of the things that that I liked is that you know it's kind of punching down a little bit, um, and that's okay because I mean let's I mean all of us and and Michael if I'm speaking out of turn for you please correct me but we were kids when the shit latched onto us. 
So why can't kids have their own Transformers? I mean, stuff like, you know, like Rescue sure. Bots and some of the other stuff that, that's definitely geared towards children. I am all about that stuff because anything where uh, families can share in their love of the brand, I'm all for. Because I feel like between like the IDW comic books and the Michael Bay movies and even kind of like the complex nature of the of the current toys... I think Transformers has spent maybe a little too much time uh, catering to us, you know, the 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 G oneers, yes. and, and I think it's I think it's okay yep. to have stuff for kids. So, it's okay. I'm just not going to follow it at that point. And that, but that then it's not for you. Right. It's for somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to. You're here. I think this movie, <laughs> if I may be so bold, I think this movie was sort of an apology for the other movies. And that's something that I didn't care for about it because mm. as a as a lover of the Michael Bay movies, uh, most of them at least, uh, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't need that apology. And I feel like this movie was a, a, a very literal live action retread of the 80s cartoon. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I can see your perspective. I think it was more just like it's been said, a soft reboot where it's kind of like we're not throwing all that Michael Bay stuff in the garbage, which is why you don't see Megatron because he's frozen on Earth. Right. Um, But I think it's kind of like here's maybe where we can like a bridge to come together of like, hey, these movies work for the people, like the G1 uh, purists, but maybe you'll like this as well because it still has some of those Michael Bay movie aspects in it. Interesting. Well, a- absolutely. Uh, but, I mean, there there is a scene in the movie where John Cena makes a crack about uh, ripping someone's face off, and that's a direct joke aimed at the... You know, the Bayformers movie. Right. You know what? I, I laughed my face off at that. <laughs> That's oh, a good one. That's yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh... But at, at the same time, oh, yeah. at the same time, though, Michael Bay was a producer. He may sure. not have been involved creatively. And maybe yeah. I don't even know if like through some sort of um, um, agency magic, he just has some kind of ownership over the rights to the fil- any film version, wh- and regardless of whether he has creative feedback or not. But, I mean, he is getting paid somehow off right. of this, so I feel like he had some influence one way or another, <laughs> and maybe he doesn't mind a, a little, a, like one little tiny dig at him just because at the end of the day, he's hoping to make money off this thing. But I still sure, think his sure. influence is there. It's not like he was totally washed away from it. Exactly. I, I mean, I think, I think that was in good fun. Uh, I, I yeah. it was definitely a joke aimed at him, but I think, I, I think Michael Bay was in on it, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, and I'm just curious before, before we get a little further, sure. What, where are you guys on the movies? prior i mean do you all hate them equally do any of you have think they have any redeeming qualities i mean where are you at on that that's a great question uh um well since i'm talking i'll go ahead and start i uh because i think spoilers for the other guys's answers i think i've seen the most of them out of Mm -hmm. the group i don't dislike that first one and you know I, i like it okay um, and it's funny because now that I'm reflecting on that, that's the same answer I just gave as my hot take for Bumblebee. You know, yeah. like I'm like, I like <laughs> yeah. it okay. And, you know, I, wow, 
I uh, just just similar to how Ryan and I kind of stumbled onto some like weird conspiracy theory stuff that we hadn't thought of in our in our last conversation. That I guess these two movies are kind of comparable for me, you know, between Bumblebee and and Transformers the first. Um, in in that you know kind of my like of them again, I don't dislike that first one, but then it's a sharp cliff. I've uh, I've said on the record before that um, there are very few movies on this earth that I hate more than Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Um, that was, I, I hate them. I, you know what? It's, it's, uh, you know, if I had, if I had like a, uh, you know, like a boxing bell, I would ring that, but I, I hate that movie. It's a, it's a mess. It's incomprehensible. It's uh sensationalistic. Well, Michael Bay all- did apologize for it in the, in the DVD commentary I, track. I don't care. Wow. Feel any better. I, I, I don't care. You bought you this movie. Commentary? Oh, I've got five different versions of I, it. Holy Jesus Christ. Um, Um, Okay, so anyway. Can I I interject a bit of a funny story about Revenge of the Fallen now that you bring it up? I guess, but tread lightly, counselor. (laughs) No, you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) I was just going to say, my friend Billy, he works in Hollywood. He works on films and whatnot. He he absolutely hates Michael Bay just in general, not just the Transformers movies. (laughs) Just just as a person? He went to a uh, release party. Michael Bay, after Revenge of the Fallen came out, had a little release party. Mm -hmm. uh, Free copies of the DVD just on a table with the appetizers. Take one. (laughs) Um, And he took one just, you know, because everyone else was. But uh, he, he he was walking through the party. He bumped into somebody, turns around. It's Michael Bay. Michael <laughs> Bay sees the DVD in his hand and says, uh, oh, you want me to sign that? And Billy says, no, no, thanks. And just walks away. <laughs> I like your friend Billy. He's my yeah, he's a cool dude. Unlike me, he's a very cool dude. That's classy. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, this is Caleb. I, I think, you know. I shouldn't I shouldn't shit on the Michael Bay movies as much as I do. But I and I'm again I'm I'll do it I'm for coming you. It's at fine. this. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that um um you know I, I have a G one bias. Uh um, so I'm kind of a curmudgeon that way. Uh but I, I would say that I you know I've just I'm not a fan of Michael Bay's style. Uh, he makes everything look slick. And he puts lighting effects on everything. And like they're what really kind of, for example, there's a part of the movie where they're driving down the L.A. River, you know, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. the same as Greece. And he's installed like like accent lights down the L.A. River. Like and I'm just like, it's it's it really annoyed me. I just I don't I don't like Michael Bay's style. I don't sure. like. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think the original Fast and Furious is a great movie, but at, at some point I'm like, it's everything's too shiny to me. It's too much eye candy, and I just don't like it. So I, that's, did that's, he do the Fast and Furious? I'm not, uh, no, no, he did not. Oh, okay. But <laughs> yeah, it, but, it's the same. But it's coming out of the same like yeah. he was influenced. So, no, yeah. I, I will tend to agree. I will say I liked Bad Boys, um, but. Uh, I, I think my problem, this is Ryan, with the, with the Transformers that were done by Michael Bay is like uh-huh. everything is in a, like a medium shot. I can't tell when or where anything's happening. So the action is really confusing, even on the big screen for me. And and again, like it's hard for me to get past the juvenile humor and like whenever I only saw the first one. Wow. So uh, whenever like 
my like when Bumblebee peed on John Turturro, I was like, my bad. Yeah, I've never seen another one of these yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah. So have yeah. you seen them all at least? No, or I've only seen the first <laughs> one. Stop after that one. I only saw the first one. I've only seen the first one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which wow. is the highest rated well, so, one. So, and I so I'm like, I don't think I'll like the rest. I, so I, I, I'm saying, I'm putting a disclaimer in, I am... I can't really give it a quality uh, thumbs down because I haven't seen them all, and and I and um, I'm I'm a G1 biased, and I understand I, I understand that, and I just don't like Michael Bay's directing style. Yeah, it's just not for me. It's fine. I don't hate that it exists. It's just not for me, and so I was a little unhappy that I was like, oh, this isn't so, this isn't like because there was never another. I maybe that's why I like Bumblebee so much because there was never another live action Transformers movie. It's not like when people get upset about remakes of like Ghostbusters. I'm like, well, the original still exists, but there was never an original live action Transformers movie, and so maybe that's why I was a little, uh, really not into it. <laughs> gotcha. So Very fair. So, uh, so Aaron's been kind of quiet on uh, on that. What uh, what you got, buddy? Uh, I have not seen them all. I, w- I, I I would see them all if only just to do it and support the franchise. I don't love any of them. The I saw the first one in the theater. I think I saw it with you, Ryan. Yep. And I uh, saw the second. I think I saw the first three in the theater. Then by then I kind of checked out. I I my brother-in-law put mm. the fourth one on television one time over Oof. Christmas holiday and and uh, I think he was I think he was trying to like do me a solid and be like hey I'm putting this on for you but yeah. I did, we didn't pay attention to it at all and we're just you know BSing around the house Hol- yeah. holiday BSing family BSing and then I didn't ever see the the last one although I thought it looked intriguing visually um I didn't go for it but I can't say that I would enjoy. I think. I think I enjoy the transformeriness of them and nothing sure. else. Um, which is to say that I mean, none of the characters I felt were good. None of the really the plot lines were good. And it's aside from the fact that it's not G one, even just as an isolated transformer story unto itself. I just felt the quality of the filmmaking was lacking. <laughs> That's also so I don't know I don't know where that puts me sure. other than I would go I would I, I intend to eventually see the 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 last night, but I'm not making a run for them. And honestly, I wouldn't have even made a run for this um, if it weren't for the fact that we had this little conversation <laughs> to right, have. Right. So, so so basically we're criticizing movies that we've never seen. Well, yeah, I've there, seen there's three. the bottom line. <laughs> no, that's, See, that's the bottom line for you guys. I've seen them all, and I feel like my opinions okay. are rooted in experience. Right. But, but, <laughs> um, but I think you can see one. I mean, if you didn't like the first Michael Bay Transformers, which right. I think everybody here has seen, I don't know that there's any reason you would all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah, I'm not like, sure there's anything like the, the later ones. Yeah. Well, they only get, I mean, pre- it, they only get more convoluted and. And and the like the fight scenes and like the artistic parts of them get less good. That's why I've never seen the second Terminator because the first one isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, that that's hilarious. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sc- uh, take any more airtime from Bumblebee, but I do have one more question fine. for Aaron because I know you are a toy collector. Do you have any of the toys based on the Michael Bay movies? It can be a simple <laughs> yes or no. Uh, the answer is yes, but Ooh, not baby, me. shut it off. I, shut it down. Okay. Yeah, well, 
my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, strangely enough, got me both of them. I did, and they're both, I think they're both bootlegs that somehow he's got access to a bunch of bootlegs. And uh, one is like a bootleg Optimus Prime from Revenge of the Fallen with sword hands. And one Jesus. is a bootleg statue of Optimus Prime riding Grimlock. I like how oh your, your brother-in-law buys you presents like a disappointing grandparent. <laughs> doesn't really understand. Is this uh, the same guy that put it quote unquote on the television for you? Yes. I love this. I love this. This is a lot of fun. So, um, so, so I, I guess the, the next thing I want to talk about, and we, we kind of flirted with this earlier, but is, you know, so as I, as I was reading the write up for Bumblebee, it's, it's listed as a prequel to the 2007 movie. In other circles, it's referred to as a reboot, sometimes referred to as a soft reboot. Um, after watching the movie, it's it's one of those weird, I, I, I feel very weird about it. So I guess before we uh, you know kind of dig deeper into the plot, I, I'd like to touch on the reboot conversation before uh, before we get too much farther. Uh, uh, Michael, let's uh, let's start with you. How, um, because I mean you're you're the one that's precious about these these Michael Bay movies and you've had some of you know some opinions about this. How, how, where does this sit for you? Is Bumblebee a reboot? What kind of reboot? And how do you feel about that, Michael Andrews, being a fan of the of the Michael Bay canon? Oh, very insightful. Uh, I actually think it's absolutely a reboot. Um, it's weirdly in this territory where it's still part of the Michael Bay universe. I mean, you have, uh, I guess we've done the spoiler alert, but he yeah. becomes the Camaro at some point. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. They wouldn't have included that if not for a tie into the Bay movies, right? Um, but but it it does. I mean, it does throw everything else out the window when you think about it. I mean, you talked. Uh, we mentioned earlier, like Megatron wasn't in this movie because mm-hmm. he's still frozen in the ground, and you have uh, there's a little cameo by Agent Simmons. But uh, on the flip side, you know, let's talk about Soundwave, uh, the yeah. Mike Cyber favorite. Absolutely. Soundwave. I mean, Soundwave is, you know, supposed to be a orbital satellite. I mean, you see characters that that you don't normally see in the Michael Bay movies prior, but you do see Soundwave, and Soundwave is nothing like what you expect. Right. Well, and and you know, with, with that whole Cybertron sequence, which you know, I think we'll we'll um, still keep looping back around to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. You you see a lot of the characters that have been represented in the live action movies already in completely different forms. So I mean, you can. I suppose you could use the same logic that, you know, like if, uh, you know, if Bumblebee can, you know, scan a Jeep and then scan a a Volkswagen Bug and then scan a Camaro, that, you know, it's not too far of a stretch to think that Soundwave, as we see him, um, you know, being a quasi-tape deck thing, becomes a satellite later or that, that Ironhide somehow goes from being a red van to a black truck or, you know, sure, I mean, sure. and, and fortunately, Unfortunately, since Ironhide doesn't have any lines, you know, you don't you don't have any of those weird incongruities uh, there. Also, you run into that more with Ratchet, but we can uh, um, we can unpack that in a sec. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess for me, um, I and I've said this before, it feels like a soft reboot. And what what I mean by a soft reboot is 
whenever I hear that, I think of X-Men First Class in that it's, you know, you're starting in a previous time period with different actors playing uh, playing the same characters. Sometimes you get some crossover elements and sometimes you get nods and references and sometimes straight up homages um, or even like in the case of Days of Future Past where you're bringing in these older versions of, um, you know, these characters played by the original actors. My point being is that like, if you look at those X-Men movies, um, there's a lot of contradicting there, but so, yeah, I mean, it kind of lines up if you squint hard enough, but then there's a few other things where it's like, oh, well, now this doesn't line up because it's, you know, it's whatever. And then you kind of have to look at it from the perspective of um, like reading comic books, like, you know, it's like a, like a reboot or, or a new issue one or whatever. It's like, can I hang with this because it's a good story or is the being so precious about continuity? Does that, you know, ruin, ruin the experience? So I guess, I guess, uh, Michael, my question for you then is because it has like all these weird incongruities where you still have sector seven, you have a younger agent Simmons, you know, you've got, um, you know, shatter and dropkick running past the dam that we see in the first movie that you know Megatron is is buried in the ice underneath. Absolutely. But but yet Bumblebee arrives in 1987, so he can't be in World War II now. So as depicted in uh, that that fifth movie that I never saw because because <laughs> right, you know, right. I I didn't see. Well, the, I mean, yeah. So do it, any of those movies. Uh, have any sort of continuity i mean this the the second one undermines the first one the third one undermines the second one i mean i'll I'll give it that michael bay did not give a damn about uh continuity but has transformers ever really given a damn about continuity i mean they restart constantly yeah yeah so i mean so i i feel like in as far as like the reboot conversation it you know, it, it it does manage to have it both ways because I don't feel that it's so offensive to you being a fan of the the previous movies, but it still kind of you know throws throws me a bone. You know, it's like you know it's not it's not as connected to that. I mean, like I again, like like we talked about this earlier, I thought it was cool that at the end of it. Bumblebee becomes the same Camaro that you see older and and beat up, you know, at the beginning of the 2007 movie. I I I I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of some neat connective tissue because to Ryan's point from earlier, you know, nobody's going to take those movies away from you, and I think it's kind of nice that like there's there's at least just a little bit of a touch on it where it's like, yeah, you know what, this is it. So. Absolutely. I mean, they they did give us a little, a few little Easter eggs, a little touches on on the original movies. So, uh, but can I ask you guys? I mean, the the Cybertron scenes, the G one stuff, the very heavy G one stuff. Did you get that warm fuzzy feeling from that that you were expecting? I'll, I'll say absolutely. This is Aaron. Um, that I mean, uh, from the big, very beginning of the movie, that opening sequence when you saw characters that you definitely recognized, many of whom were not represented in any form in the previous Bay movies, and some mm-hmm. of them were. Maybe they all were. I'm not actually sure, I, but I think they might have been. But, but one RC in particular, very, very briefly. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
And so, um, at any rate, yes, it felt great to see that. And when we talk about will we see the movie again, that's the one reason I might consider purchasing the movie to see it and kind of really frame by frame mm-hmm. dissect yeah. those scenes. Are there other people that I just that I missed, or and how what was that representation? Of? Um, but yes, all the Cybertron stuff that felt G one e, of course, felt good to me. I, I thought they did a good job with it, and it even felt the dialogue and the kind of pace of action felt like the cartoon yeah yeah i had a couple of thoughts about that too and like of course also the whole movie isn't that cybertron opening scene but like and this is kind of one of my issues stylistically with the bay films is that i recognize everyone immediately in this movie in the bumblebee movie because it is very i mean with some alternate like Sure. Aspects like you see Ratchet, Brawn, RC, Wheeljack, Ironhide, and it's like I can instantly recognize them. And so that's just a me thing where it's like I don't want anything different. Um, play it exactly yeah. like it's on the album. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, I, there were some parts. Of, back. <laughs> there were some parts of this movie that I thought added a lot to the mythos of Transformers that I had never seen in another aspect of like, um, and maybe it's probably in the IDW comics, which I haven't read a bunch, but mm. the war on Cybertron felt like a real war. Like it felt like that this was an actual battle. Like the fact that cliff jumper gets killed and he just keeps repeating his name, rank and serial number. Yeah. That felt really, yeah. sp- really specific. And like the fact that they refer to Bumblebee as a traitor because the Decepticons are in control. So pr- so pr- presumably of Cybertron. Yeah. So of course you know, he's presented as a traitor. Yeah. The, the Autobot insurgency. I, I love that concept, you know, as like they're, they're revolutionaries and traitors. And I, I thought that was really cool. I, and I don't know if I've seen that represented in other versions of the media. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought I thought that was a really cool uh, texture to that. Um, now, uh, so since we are talking about Cybertron, uh, I, I had a couple things I wanted to bring up. One, uh, Braun gets shot in the shoulder. <laughs> So, yes, which is which is <laughs> fatal for him. <laughs> I, I think he gets back up and gets uh, gets an escape pod. But that was one of those things where, like, um, I didn't do this in the theater. But if I was watching it at home, I would have jabbed my finger out and pointed at it because it's just <laughs> like, holy shit, that was for me. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, that that shot doesn't happen accidentally and i think that's a lot of the stuff that aaron and i have talked about uh separately um is like you know um a lot of this homage type stuff especially the stuff in this opening scene especially with those touches on the 86 movie are very deliberate and you know we we talked a lot about whether this sequence felt tacked on or if it was pandering um you know or if it was rendered well enough um but i uh i you know i i felt my blood kind of get up a little bit during that optimus prime fight now mm-hmm. it didn't feel i guess and let me qualify this a little bit it it obviously didn't feel as earned as it did in the 86 movie because the 86 movie is a continuation of the TV series and for those of us that were young enough, we're living with this in real time. So we had spent two years with these characters and one of the the thing that's so appealing and sticks with us old crunchy G1ers 
is that it really is the culmination and a payoff of a lot of stuff that was set up in those two years worth of uh, cartoons, including that sequence where Optimus Prime, you know, blasts into the air, flips out his rifle and takes out the entire Decepticon army by himself. Um, so they recreate that and it was very visually exciting. Um, you can, uh, you know, tell which one is Optimus. You could tell which ones the bad guys are kind of, at least you could tell who the, it's like, Oh, that's a seeker. But I mean, like there's they had wings point. on their back. Well, yeah. and, and one of them was blue. It's like, yep, that's Thundercracker, you know, cause it's like, you know, it was like the correct shade of blue and it was again, very clearly Thundercracker. And like, you know, so like, I mean, the seekers, you couldn't really distinguish outside of say Starscream and Thundercracker I mean like there's like like a green cone head and you know everything else is pretty just uh generic at that point but that's I need fine. To see this movie again because it's obvious that you saw things that I didn't see. If I there's got... a green seeker which I didn't notice that's probably one yeah, of the acid storm. Yeah. yeah. The, but I like I, I I did notice there were more seekers than the the common number, but I didn't notice Braun get shot in the shoulder. You're already making me want to go again, just <laughs> again, for those five minutes of the movie that are yeah. concentrated around Cybertron. <laughs> Guys, you have to go see it in IMAX, I'm telling you. It, IMAX 3D or IMAX, you okay. will see things that you never saw before. And yeah, I just, you know, I, you know, it, it's interesting that they give the first line of the movie to Ratchet. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, especially since we threw Wheeljack in here and of course his, his ears light up when he talks. I, I thought that, I thought that was really sweet, but I, I would have liked, uh, Wheeljack to have that first line for no other reason. Oh, because of the series? Yeah. Wheeljack is the first Transformer we see on screen in, uh, in More Than Meets the Eye Part 1. You know, and followed by Bumblebee. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it. I'm not even nitpicking it. I'm just saying it would have been cool. You know, just kind of, just kind of one of those, uh, one of I those mean, if types you're of things. Suck these G oneers dicks. You might as well go all the way down <laughs> to the hill. Well exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, so we're we're hanging out on Cybertron, and you know, uh, basically, this is the fall of Cybertron. And what I like is that these, uh, um, you know, a lot of the characters have lines and speaking roles. But you know, I mean, obviously, you get Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime, uh, sounding better in the role than I think he has in a really long time. I uh, totally, yeah. Because he was warm, not maniacal and murderous. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I, I will, I will give you that. I will give you that about the uh, other Bayformer movies. They did Optimus, hundred percent wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, as soon as he's murdering unarmed prisoners, uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I, it's, it's hash brown, not my Optimus. So, so, but <laughs> when we, when we would, when we rewatch those movies, uh, the drinking game is anytime Optimus says, "I will kill you." Jeez. Uh, take oh a shot, God. and you will be blasted oh in the first God. six I, uh, minutes of any of them. I I I can't deal with that. <laughs> I can't deal with that now. Um, so yeah, so I mean, so in the in the voice cast, and this is interesting because there there um, there was one aspect that fooled me that I that I wanted to talk about, but um, but you have uh, Dylan O'Brien as the voice of B one twenty seven or uh, Bumblebee. 
um, is uh, he's he's a uh, apparently he's one of those hunky CW type of dudes. He's in like the Maze Runner movies and some other such. But I mean, you sound like the oldest man in the world right now. <laughs> Thank you. I try, <laughs> and that is by design, my friend. But I, you know, I I like that performance for like the four lines that he has because oh, yeah. I think it it does a lot to characterize Bumblebee. Is you know kind of like this this younger, um, you know, he he almost kind of reminds me of Hot Rod in a way. You know, just kind of mm-hmm. like you know younger and impetuous and you know eager for a fight and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, but still heroic. Um, um, so, uh, so RC was not voiced by Susan Blue. She was, uh, voiced and why by- wouldn't you just do that? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going to have, it's one line anyway. Why not hire her? Her rates can't be that extraordinary. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, and it continues, but like the, the one that, that I specifically wanted to, uh, call out is, you know, you hear both Soundwave and Shockwave speak. And mm-hmm. and it was one of the you know I told you how I I uh, restrained myself by not jabbing at the screen when uh, uh, when Braun uh, got shot in the shoulder, but when Soundwave spoke, I could not help this. I I mean I my wife has got to be so embarrassed by me. I I I did the double fist pump right in the air, like I spilled half of my popcorn because I'm <laughs> like yes, it was like I mean just hearing it in that stereo because we haven't heard that type of you know uh, voice modulation uh for for a while and and it just it, it got me some serious nostalgia tingles and then shockwave speaks and he sounds exactly like cory burton in it in the show and so but it's not cory burton right it is not it's a voice actor named uh, john bailey now have you guys heard of this oh, guy before john bailey's great yeah I absolutely know, i know who john bailey is he's awesome and i remember seeing an article like on sabertron or something like like two or three months ago and i had forgotten about it and in that article it says you know he talks about his experience and how it's a lifelong dream of his and I had forgotten about it because like I thought it was Welker doing Soundwave and I thought it was Corey Burton doing Shockwave and I I thought that that's just a really neat connection thing to going back to John Bailey because he's done so much uh, incredible voice work. I mean, most folks will probably know him as the, you know, epic movie trailer voice guy, um, you know, like yes. on, uh, you know, for honest trailers and screen junkies and, and it's in so, a world. <laughs> well, and it's so weird because like he's, he's also done a lot of work on like actual movie trailers, you know, kind of doing the movie trailer guy voice. And I hear that. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's John Bailey. <laughs> um, but I mean, like well, he, he does a great op- I believe he did Optimus Prime in the uh, in the the series, the like the Combiner Wars series, uh-huh. didn't he? And um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I, I'm- I, I care. I've, I've watched a lot of his YouTube videos. He'll narrate. He'll play a Transformers video game in the character of, say, Starscream. Yeah, and, interesting. And he'll, you know, you just watch it. It's pretty funny, actually. He, yeah. He's a good improviser as well. And and doing it in character. And I I should um I should put up a link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. It's like uh, John 3.0. And I mean I remember his stuff. I mean shoot from like over like ten years ago, where like you know he's he's just done a like uh like one of my favorite ones. This is so dumb. But he uh he did a toy review of G1 Fortress Maximus as Optimus Prime. Prime Reviews. So here we have the amazing and awesome, and not me, 
Fortress Maximus. As you can tell, he's a giant, gaudy piece of plastic that does nothing but take up space in your rooms. And okay. and it's it's hilarious because anybody that knows from G1 Fort Max, it's basically a giant hunk of plastic. And mm-hmm. so he's trying to transform it. And it's it's not that it's difficult, but it's like that all the pieces are heavy and all the joints ratchet a lot. And <laughs> anyway, so like, you know, it's he's he's very he's very glib about it and doing it in the Optimus Prime voice. And it's uh, so it so he's. You know, uh, an amazing success story of how somebody goes from being a fan and just kind of doing their own DIY stuff and, you know, just kind of works his craft and makes friends and does all this stuff. And now he is the voice of two iconic G1 characters in a major motion picture. And I just I think I just think that is super rad that that me personally just gives me a lot of, uh, you know, like inspiration and just something that that I just think is really, really cool that, you know, we we see a lot of now where like, you know, fans fans done good, basically. And it's 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 just to your point. I think it, I, yeah, I think that's that is a great heartwarming story because you you know he's a fan. He's dedicated so mm-hmm. much of his YouTube persona to Transformers, and he's also a very gifted impressionist. And the uh, you know same question would stand is why wouldn't you just get Corey Burton? Because yeah. but but at the same time, if you're not going to get Corey Burton for whatever reason. Uh, I'm happy with the results and the story behind it because it, you know, it's it, it feels more like of a, pa- a passing of the torch when somebody like John Bailey gets it versus somebody like uh, oh I'm blanking out on his name Agent Smith as Megatron in a Bay oh, movie yeah. like oh. you're just doing that for the name there's no real reason to, Mr. To, Optimus to, to have him in <laughs> in the movie but anyway um, so yeah that's awesome I didn't know John Bailey was the guy in those movies yeah. That's Cool. Yeah, I didn't either. And uh, so since we're, since we're talking about voice actors, because I don't know if we'll loop back around to it, I, uh, you know, obviously uh, Angela Bassett voices uh, Shatter. Yeah, she was great. Oh, oh, yeah. Amazing. Very, very cool. And and Justin Theroux was a lot of fun as Dropkick also. Mm-hmm. I don't know Justin Theroux. I think was, I love uh, Justin Theroux, and he really didn't uh, get to shine as much as he usually does. I mean... Uh, Dropkick was a great character, but I really wanted more of Thoreau. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. And was was um, uh, Shatter the first female Decepticon that we've seen? Well, in the world, or yeah. just like I, I mean, uh, or in the Bay see, movie, or okay. in this universe, so, I guess. Whatever. So, okay, so yeah, the, not in the world. This is this is one of those slippery slope type of things because like I I I run into this a lot when people try to say that like uh, Black Panther is like the first black superhero in in movies, and I'm like you you all saw Blade right? So right, right. so there oh, yeah. there there uh, there have been you know other female Decepticons. All across the lore. I mean, you know, I mean, not not up to and including Black Arachnia. Let's you know start there. Oh, but totally forgot about Black but, Arachnia. <laughs> but um, but as far as the uh, Michael Bay continuity, and again, Michael, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, I believe, the first female Decepticon because I don't think we're we're counting the 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 Quintessa or Quintesson or whatever the fuck the tentacle lady was in that line. <laughs> I didn't watch yeah, that I movie, think, so I can't say. So. I think she she 
is outside of the the ranking of Autobot and Decepticon. And Black Arachne is technically a Predacon, so this may be the first. Which uh, is an ancestor. Of well, Decepticons, but that so. but then there's uh uh what is her name uh Slipstream in the uh, animated in Transformers animated. She's uh she's a female seeker. Oh sure. So um. Got it. I also like the, the. I just thought of this because of their triple changers. I just love how every time they transform, they're like, "We're gonna do all three forms, bitch!" Because yeah. we're badass. <laughs> oh my god, I I loved that so much. And even like you know when they when they um you know form into robot mode. I like how like the other bits are still continuing to change. Yeah. Like like on yeah, uh on Shatter, like her backpack, you know, it's like you can still see the wings folding in and how it continues the transformation scheme even after uh she's uh she's starting to talk. I, I thought that that was a really cool touch. And really that that's one of my favorite aspects about triple changers in general is how those different modes are utilized, where like, you know, jumping around a bit, but like, you know, when uh you know, Dropkick is fighting Bumblebee and, you know, he, you know, race cars up the side and then flips over, change into helicopter mode. And then that actually gets used um, as as a, a plot device because Bumblebee wraps the chain around him in helicopter mode, but then when he changes into robot mode, the the chain is all like, you know, kind of uh, uh, tied up within him. And I've never seen that before, and I I, I thought that was incredibly cool. Very that clever. was a cool death. Sequence. Very cool. Yeah, the triple changing definitely lended a lot to sort of the visual action, but yet I the 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 cynical like, like it. movie <laughs> guy in me here we go was, was just well, just was just like those those scenes where they were you know flying in and then they turn into cars, but one second later they're robots. I was like, you didn't need that middle ground. You're just showing off. That's all. But yeah. it, no, but in terms of just but like that a kind visual of thing that was fun to watch, too, right? it was cool. Sure. I mean, I guess like is the person I can't remember the scene they did that who they, they were did doing it twice. That in front of. But uh, but it was just like uh, like so what? I, you're a car and a flying I thing. I think beyond that, like there was a lot of transformation used really interestingly in this, yeah. where Bumblebee has to squeeze into spaces yep. and he has to partially transform. I've never seen that before. Yep. Right. Or even like when he's running around on half wheels where like, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Memo is telling him, well, you know, maybe don't transform all the way. You know, and right. he's just kind of rolling around uh, uh, throughout the house. And and I uh, and and I forget. Can what... I, sorry. Can I can I jump in one moment, please? I yeah, hated you... that. <laughs> OK. Oh. Did you I... mean the whole house scene? No. Well, OK, we can get into that, too. But I, I think it's a little <laughs> weird. The thing I don't like to see in live action movies and maybe they did this in the cartoon, mm. but I don't like when they partially transform to do stuff. Like, for example, like, like when Bumblebee's arm was like waving at her when yeah. she was on the moped. It's but like, also, and yet that's not where arm his arm's over. I, I, it's I, true. I, it seems like transformations were a little more fluid in that, but I, I didn't hate that. As, I don't know why I have a visceral reaction to I always mention I hate the heads popping out of things, like right. Octane's head popping out uh, to talk to Starscream's ghost, or like uh, Scourge popping out in the movie. <laughs> I don't know why I hate the heads so much, but I'm like, arms, that seems legit. Uh, yeah, I just didn't like it because I was like, the way Bumblebee has to transform, there's no way his arm would be coming out of his ass like yes, that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you guys. That that bugged the crap out of me. Also, I uh, so 
Um, in general, though, I would say that the transformations in this movie were a million times better than any of the Bay movies. They felt real. They looked real. And the, in the Bay movies, it takes like 90 seconds for a trans- for a robot to go from car mode to robot right. mode. And they really focus in on the details. They'll zoom in and zoom out. And it's just like, fucking just become a robot. <laughs> and, and, and this movie, just be cars. The they looked great. And they were simple, fun. Like they you just like folded into each other. It was really. I follow, loved. The, I thought the transformation. You could way they they way they portrayed it. You could follow great. the sequences right. really well. Yeah, and it actually, really you could good. probably look at it again and again and find something new. Yeah, that's, that's still fun. Yeah, right. right. So, uh, so let's move along in the plot a little bit because you know we we haven't talked about Charlie's story at all. Um, you know, we were kind of there were humans in this. Movie? Yeah, hey, I'm gonna interject <laughs> real quick, Mike. Yes. I myself, have, I'm going to leave in in, a, in about five minutes, so I'm sorry about that. If you need Caleb for anything, but I, and I'll and I'll sign I'll sign off in a few minutes and tell you that I love you and tell everyone. That I love <laughs> you, that but he doesn't love you yet. I so. go. no, no, not yet. So don't uh, don't cry yet. <laughs> well, well, and that I I guess while while we're there, Caleb, what um while we've got you. Um, I guess, I mean, jumping around, I mean, final sure. thoughts, final analysis, you know, like some, maybe like some Easter eggs you wanted to talk about, just, uh, just kind of take us there and, and say your piece that w- that way you don't, because, because I'm, I'm sure. going to, I'm going to try to drag us through this plot as best as possible. Cause there are, sure. there are a few things I want to touch on as, as we go. Sure. Uh, well, I'll give a rose and a thorn. I'll say the uh, the thorn, and it's not a big deal, is, uh, you know, and it, and it was a necessary thorn in the movie. All, you know, all of the interior shots, you know, the ceilings had to be unusually high in her house. <laughs> that is a big garage, house. <laughs> you know, and, but of course they had to be because they're, they're be In her like over. basic 1980s, probably built in the early 70s. It was, 70s it was handled well enough. I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was the a mid-century modern style ranch house in California. And Put those it on the early 70s. Huh? Nothing, go on. <laughs> those... I don't want to get into that with you, uh, <laughs> no, but, um, but I, I would say uh, the you know overall um, it is it is a good movie. I, I think um, uh, it, it satisfies the um, you know people like us, but I think also it's just it's a I think when my my kids watch it, they'll enjoy it very much, mm-hmm. and I think that's that I think that should be the main accomplishment of this movie is to uh, entertain kids with a good story uh, about a about a, you know a relationship between uh, two characters and how they help each other out mm-hmm. and awesome. I think it does that very well well uh, any, anything else Caleb uh, I don't well know. I I'm just yeah no I, I uh, you, you, Mike you always ask great questions it's great to be on your show and I haven't talked to Michael Andrews since uh, um, you know, since we were in Chicago. And so, um, oh, it's, man. it's nice to, it's nice to hear from you and talk with you again. It's always a pleasure. Yes. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. Uh, I definitely checked out the book you recommended the three body problem. Oh, really? Yes. So I will be reading that shortly. Okay. Well, I, I've, I've made it about 10% through your book and I need to, I need to, and I'm liking it so well, far. That's I hurtful. Just... Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> 
Caleb, how, many, how many novelists do you know, just out of curiosity, uh, <laughs> are working your way through their library? I was meaning this to just say I'm, I'm going to finish your book. <laughs> well, I made it 10% right. through, and then I burned it in a fire. Well, well, well I, I, set, I, I, I set everything up so well as a goodbye, and then I fuck it up. So, but, uh, you should Not that he was going to qu- like question you about his book, but you – you should have lied and at least said, "Oh, I'm halfway through your yeah. book," no, and then I'm not going to do that. Like I, I just, I, I'm like, really bad. I'm really on the road. With I usually it. am reading like a handful of books at any given moment. So, and I'm sorry that I, I just, I need to. Don't read. apologize. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was going to say, hey, hey, Caleb. I'm liking it. I'm liking it very much so far. So Ryan I and I are zero percent in. We're worse people than I you. I need to put it back at the top the of the stack. Oh shit! I'll get it. I'll get it read. All right. All right. Fair enough. So, bye, Caleb. Sounds oh. great, Caleb. <laughs> bye, right. bye, bye, bye. Make good choices. As long as you no, want, and then I just really, exit I, and well, without saying good. anything, and then we won't refer you to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. You guys are great, and um, talk to you guys later. <laughs> okay, bye, Caleb. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. I am here with Aaron and Ryan from the Autopod Decepticast. Say hi, fellows. Hello. Hi, fellows. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're also joined uh, by Michael Andrews, a prolific uh, author and uh, of whose book none of us have read because we're a bunch of assholes and terrible friends. Um, h- how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm a professional that deserves to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and that's and that's where I wanted to start before we kind of got back into our discussion about Bumblebee. You know, we're gonna we're gonna run through the plot very quickly and kind of touch on some of the Easter eggs and some of the other you know observations we wanted to wanted to call out. But before we got there, I wanted to turn the spotlight on you, my friend, because we just kind of like jumped in face first. Um, why don't Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, uh, I'm a super fan of the Autopod Decepticast. Uh, I, you guys followed me sucks. on Twitter, to be fair. You, you came to me, and it worked <laughs> because I kept listening. Uh, uh, I'll put that uh, – that's part of the tweet, Aaron, tweet strategy of uh, Twitter building. You, you, follow, you find somebody who says something you like, and then you give them a follow, and maybe – Marketing goal, baby. Marketing goal. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, so yeah, I'm just a listener to the show, and I met these guys all at TFCon Chicago, mm-hmm. and we had an awesome time. I it was it was fate because I wanted to go there, and specifically my bucket list item was to meet you guys, and I lined up in the registration <laughs> line, and there you were, right in front of me, cocktails in hand, like I imagined I would meet you, <laughs> and uh, and, it, and it was perfect. Uh, but I'm but I'm a fan of the Transformers from way back. Um, love the toys read the IDW comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a really great blog post, which little plug here for that, uh, about my introductions to the Transformers series, which we can maybe link to. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just here because I, I love the movies and I, and I love every movie ever made. So I thought this would be weird <laughs> that I, that I don't hundred percent love the Bumblebee movie as much as I should. Well, we won't hold that perfect. against you. That's, that's all good. Uh, but you've, uh, you've written a book no? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wrote a book called Coming of Mage, and this is where you should insert the guys talking about it on their podcast <laughs> because it is a big old fumble. One of our list- longtime listeners, Michael Andrews, uh, hung uh, out with him. We call we, we we you've heard us refer to him in the past as uh, Pizza Toss Mike. Mike. He's, He's the great. father of the ghost of the iconic moment. He is, and and um um um. 
ultra ultra Mikeness is he's he originally is ultra Mikeness. We have a habit of attributing the other original th- ultra. We have a we have a we've had a habit of taking his stuff and attributing <laughs> it to the wrong people. But he was great to meet in person. Uh, he's also a, an author. Uh, and gave What's, us a book to read called The Story of Mage. Mm-hmm. So and that is, I, I want to pause for a second because I want to give that due uh, respect. That That is, uh, it's actually, it's, not, it's called Coming of Mage. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <clears throat> that is one of the best book titles I've ever heard. It's pretty great. <laughs> like, yeah. That is a great title. I don't know, I'm, I'm sorry, I just spit all over the Caleb's notes. <laughs> I'm really All sorry right. about oh, that. I God. know it's gross. And I know my mouth is just like yeah. trash right now. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that note oh, because we, it was particularly bad. Is it a yes, big we fumble will find or was it part. not corrected? Did we not correct it immediately? <laughs> so here, if I can paraphrase, it oh. was uh, Michael wrote a book called Story of Mage. And then Aaron <laughs> says... It's called Coming of Mage, and oh, I just spit over the microphone. I'm sorry. Ah. That was the last thing that was mentioned about it. Oh, wow. (laughs) We're the, wow. No, that's not true, because I remember saying, and maybe it was edited out, I was like, which, by the way, is a great, is like, great title. Yeah, Uh, yes. Actually, yes, you did say that. It is a great title, and and so is the Autopod Decepticast, (laughs) one of the best titles in the history of podcast okay well right. at any rate sorry um, to give you I'm sorry we didn't, yeah, i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry we didn't give <laughs> you the okay. credit you deserved but anyway. it's all good it's all good yes i wrote a book yes i'm a novelist yes i have things coming out and uh yeah we'll uh well you guys will link to all of it because i know absolutely. you're good people yeah absolutely. available on amazon yeah absolutely yep tell can you do you mind also to, to like what give a synopsis of coming a mage and also a synopsis of anything that you're working on Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I guess I do kind of fit in the wheelhouse of the Bumblebee movie because I kind of write things that take place in the 80s and have sort of that coming-of-age story because my book is called Coming of Mage. Uh, Oh, I just got that. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, No, it's sort of a cross between a John Hughes movie, sort of a Ferris Bueller meets uh, Harry Potter it takes place in the '80s, and it's and it's young adult wizards doing their thing with the, <laughs> with the backdrop of magic and 1980s hard rock. Fun, nice. Oh, and what I'm working on would be a uh, web comic. Will be launching shortly, and uh, it's going to be big. What's the? Uh, can you talk about the story? Sorry, I'm doing the Mike Cyber. <laughs> yeah, really. Who shows this? I'm gonna, uh, <clears throat> no, it's a it's it's a <laughs> set in the uh, medieval times a little bit. It's uh, an alternate medieval, if you will, sort of uh, based around uh, Korra, Avatar, The Last Airbender, that sort of thing. Mm. And it's going to be all uh, hand drawn, inked, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's that it's sounds really cool. Yeah, tiny scraps of metal, and metal is spelled M E T T L E, bit of a ah. play on words, if you will. Wow, almost like you're a writer or something. That that is some good wordsmithing. Uh, metaphors. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're talking about Bumblebee, right? Uh, minimally. <laughs> All right. So so we meet Charlie Watson is played by Haley Steinfeld. You know, she's uh she's uh amazing. Yeah, I mean yeah, she she's really great in this. And best part of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, and and to Ryan's point, the thing that I appreciated the most is that they didn't go like the Megan Fox route or the Michael Bay route. You know, nobody's shoving a camera up her ass or any any of that other stuff. And, you know, and she's portrayed as a, you know, age appropriate teenage girl. And I liked that, you know, she's got like some like awkward teenager stuff going on. Like, you know, like that whole first sequence where she's, you know, waking up like a angsty 18 year old in the morning because, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we've all been there. Um, But yeah, no, just, you know, just the whole thing where she's like, you know, given given the underarms, uh, uh, the sniff test and just just little stuff like that. And I I like I love that. By the way, like that part, I was like, oh, I'm in already. But like just, yeah, just, her being an actual person was so yeah. enjoyable to me. I'm like, oh. I like this character a mm-hmm. lot. And and I, if you've ever, I'm sorry to interrupt. If you've ever seen her in Edge of Seventeen, uh, great movie. Just perfect performance. I have not. I didn't realize that it was her that was in um, the remake, the Coen Brothers remake of. Now I'm forgetting the name of True the Grit. movie. True, True Grit. Grit. True Grit. Thank she has oh. an Oscar for that oh. movie, right? I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was awesome. To to everybody's point, the just I'm uh, so happy. I mean, obviously, she's a main character, and main characters, right. I guess. Depending on the type of movie, tend to not be overly sexualized. Right. I'm glad she wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I mean, the whole fact that you have like the like these sexy female characters in all of the Transformers movies, and also including by the way, this one. Uh, well, oh, is there some in this one? I can't even. Remember. I don't know what you mean. Well, the uh, the, the high the, schoolers, the the mean girls. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, the corn dog. Come on. Uh, uh, I guess I missed that. I, I didn't really notice yeah, that but, either. But at any rate, but that, but it was, it, it was just a glance, I guess. It yeah. wasn't as like, it wasn't as iconic as Megan Fox in the sunset washing car <laughs> kind of thing. Sure, but, it was not. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the, I'm glad that that was taken out of it because that isn't a part of the trans. That doesn't have to be a part of the Transformers thing. And I don't get me wrong, I like sexy chicks washing cars right. or whatever. But it doesn't have to be a part of it. It's really to do even to put that in a movie is pointless and and I pandering to an audience that you think you're catering to, which right. is again, I guess, horny teenage boys. Sure, but and yeah, there was no, a love story, but it was cute. I wouldn't even call it a love story. I love the fact that they ended the the, the movie with that on oh. kind of yeah, like she a, was I'm like really yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that too. Yeah, yeah not this there yet. Have to be <laughs> there, there. Doesn't have to be a romance involved or uh, like a and so yeah. I thought all those parts of it were great. I thought that she was. Was a is a wonderful actor, and yeah. I would I'll look forward to seeing more from her. And she's part Filipino, which my family, like your wife, so, you know, they'll, they'll right in your uh, wheelhouse, if you will. That's, I, that's I, right. didn't, I didn't know that, and and the thing that I didn't know because I I don't really know from pop music and things like that. I didn't really realize how prolific Haley Steinfeld is as a pop artist, and and the way that she's presented in Bumblebee kind of belies a bit how attractive she is. She's, she's, she's a gorgeous young lady. And absolutely. And, and I double checked the wiki. She's 22. So I'm not, not in any trouble there, but I, but the Michael Bay movies have, a, have a history of, very highly sexualizing characters who are under 18. To, well, the, to the point, the, 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 I think it was, is it the Mark Wahlberg oh, movie where oh, the girl is supposed to be 17 oh, and they oh t- make yeah, all yeah. tons of jailbait jokes? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm like, 
I'm like getting like super mad about it because like that that's that's one of the things where I decided I was done with those live action movies where like yeah so there's a sequence where Mark Wahlberg's daughter who I believe is presented as being uh, maybe 17 maybe 18 I don't remember but basically her boyfriend is older by uh, by a couple years but basically so Mark Wahlberg Marky Mark Wahlberg is given this boyfriend so much shit being a disapproving father like you would but then he pulls out this laminated card out of his wallet out of his wallet this card is laminated and he quotes some kind of like Romeo and Juliet law in Texas where like apparently if like you're in high school together and like there's a certain amount of age difference it's totally okay to fuck a minor and I'm just I'm just not there for any of that and how that's a plot point in that movie like how like like it doesn't help the storyline. All it does is provide creepy details on characters that don't advance anything about the movie. It just is like I think it's just secretly Michael Bay's uh, yeah. underage girl fucking fantasies, and oh, you yeah. can the leave that is, in. I think it's like a legit <laughs> law, but the fact that Michael Bay is doing it, you're just like, yeah, uh, I, I don't care. Why, yeah, it's, like it's he's providing his own defense, like gross. pre. Yeah. Being indicted. Yeah. Gross, gross, <laughs> good, gross, good gross, editing. gross. I just think that's good editing. All right, so yeah, so so moving on though, because I mean, again, Haley Steinfeld is wonderful in this movie. I really enjoyed her uh, portrayal. Um, the uh, the other human characters really don't do a whole bunch for me. I mean, like her her best friend uh, was or not best friend, her neighbor. Bumble. That's Bumblebee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. And and that relationship is wonderful. It's oh, yeah. it's very it's very, very sweet. And uh Aaron, I remember leading up to this one of the uh, uh criticisms that you had uh potentially was how Bumblebee would be portrayed. You know, it's like how how can I buy off as him being this cunning warrior, but then how does that reconcile with him hiding behind a rock? Which incidentally, still even though we've seen it in every single trailer, still got big laughs in in my screening. Everybody laughed yeah. at that, <laughs> including myself. It's still funny. But well, and there were I thought and I thought the callback to it was effective when they went to the girl's house to do the the trickeries yes and he uh, was trying hiding in a similar manner behind <laughs> the car I, I liked the callback i hate the idea of bumblebee doing that and i'll just go ahead and say i still disagree that uh with the the very precept of like bumblebee is a murder machine and now he's just a cute um, awkward, vulnerable, puppy dog like, you know, Ryan, please uh, jump eager in character. <laughs> and I, I can't, I, I, I hate that characterization. Okay. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I will say that for what it's worth, as the puppy dog doofus uh, character that he is that can't speak, uh, I will say that the relationship between he and Charlie is played very well, well and is emotionally dynamic and resonant. His memory's wiped. Yeah, but his Thank memory's you. wiped. But, but here's the deal, though. People, uh, I mean, we're talking about a robot here, right. but people whose memories are wiped, that doesn't take away from what their gut instincts are. They just lack memories. Their no. personality is not different. If you're trained as a soldier and your memory is like wiped, you don't remember the, like maybe you have basic instincts of like your body, but you don't remember like how to behave as a soldier. 
I'm not. I'm not even asking him to behave as a soldier. I mean, just as a being that is probably he's... not the type of being that's going to cower in a corner and just constantly have eyeballs that angle upwards in a in a in a face of sadness no, and forlorn longing. Reduced like, to a childlike state. He was like yes. Hot Rod. He was more like Hot Rod. Which if if he's Hot Rod, he's just young. He's uh, ambitious. He's, no, he was uh, Hot Rod at the start of the movie. But what I'm saying is, is that uh, yeah, he had that hot rod tendencies, and you can yeah. wipe the memory of whatever the last things were that happened to Hot Rod. He's still Hot Rod. He should still be. He should still have. If the you same wipe memories, personality characteristics, you're not the same person. Hmm. If you wipe your experiences and memory, by definition, you're not the same person. It's like people who have head injuries, where they become a completely different person. But I still think the core attributes of what makes you you remain. And yes, certain times in some head didn't... injuries, people's personalities change; they become more violent or whatever. If anything, he should not have been so passive. He should have been like eight times more violent. <laughs> well, that would have been a very <laughs> well, and and I think well, that. I... Oh, I was just going to say, I think you just didn't like that part, which I can understand is perfectly viable. I didn't necessarily like cute Bumblebee, quote unquote, the, like the E.T. version of Bumblebee. But I thought that the film made it reasonable. Mm-hmm. OK, like it made sense to me. Well, I, I agree with you on that in that the way it played out in the film was a good and effective. It made sense in the context of creating a relationship with the, because the also, lead actor of the movie. Yeah. Like I she just takes, don't like it for Bumblebee. I've never liked it. I've never liked the voice missing thing for Bumblebee. Yeah, I don't like that. And I don't like, uh, I just, and I don't think it even makes sense in the context of a person losing their memory, but I mean, it's fine. You're wrong. Lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just, I guess I understand what you're saying. I, I think it just worked. Like, what? How, are the, how else are you going to do the movie? Like, if, if he is the same person he is from Cybertron, he doesn't need her at all. Like, then right. it's just no. a movie of him on, on Earth for, yeah. like, there's not none really of a lot re- there. None of that really makes there's sense There's not a little me, there there. I just have to let it go. Well, guys, that goes back to the question. How late in the game do you think the Cybertron stuff was added? I think now in retrospect. From the beginning? No I, I think it had to have been there because. I think so. You have to have a reason for Bumble to be to be on Earth in the '80s. So, um, I mean, to me, that's it had to have been there. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, I thought it was maybe tacked on. Yep. But I'm, I've rethought that. I got gotcha. you. Um, and since we're touching on that ever so briefly, how, how Aaron, how did you feel about the final renders on that Cybertron sequence? Because I, I remember you saying that it looked very video game-ish and, and you know, maybe they needed to do a couple more passes on it. How, how do you feel about the final product? It seemed fine to me. I, oh, yeah. would, I would have to, I, what, you know, it opened up, it all happened so fast. I don't yeah. know that I had a time. I, I didn't take the opportunity to really parse it in the moment with the movie. It seemed fine. I was very excited to see those characters. And I would say the action felt video game-ish. Yeah. But, that, but that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Gotcha. Yeah, and the fact that you didn't, it didn't take you out of it. And also, Melody, your wife said that she, like, didn't feel like it. She didn't feel like it was a video game. She just right. felt like she was watching a movie. Right. I, think, I, think, I think it worked. Gotcha. So, um, so something we haven't talked about um, up to this point as we uh, get closer to wrapping up, we got to talk about Blitzwing. So, okay. so yeah. I, I've, I've, I've got to eat a lot of crow and a little bit of shit here because, I mean, that's – no, I, I've been on that hill from day one. I'm like, you know, if it, if it walks like a duck – 
It talks like a duck. It's fucking Starscream. We're being lied to. (laughs) And in (laughs) retrospect, now that we've seen the movie, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. Um, But I'm, I'm still frustrated that they used that particular name. Now, um, one of the one of the things that Travis Knight had said, the the director was, you know, back when like this whole, you know, uh, Starscream Blitzwing thing, he's like, well, it's not Starscream, it's Blitzwing, and he's um, he's a seeker. He's he's he uses the seeker mold, and and. Quick aside, that really kind of earned me a lot of earned him a lot of credibility with me because he specifically said seeker mold, you know, because who talks like that mm-hmm. other than people that, 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 that know a thing or two about a thing or two. So so, again, I thought it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but, you know. In retrospect, how else would it be? Because you don't see any of Blitzwing in any of the other trailers. You don't see him triple change into tank mode or anything like that. Um, so it's like, how else would this have gone? Um, so uh, how do you guys feel about that, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, depiction of Blitzwing or even like that scene in general? I think that, um, and I've talked to Ryan about this, I think in the, in light of the idea that apparently the intent was to make sure there was at least loose connections to the Bay movies, they couldn't use Starscream because right. he murdered that character. And they never named the character on screen, I don't think. For all That's intents- what I was going to say. Like, why did why does he have to be Blitzwing? He's never called right, by right, name. Right, yeah. Are any of the Decepticons called by name? Yeah. I don't think so. I, yeah, I think you're right about that. And, and Absolute so, con and so, move. In, in, so, in including including yeah. dropkick and shatter, I don't believe yes. I, I don't believe either of them are actually. I don't believe they refer to each other by name. No, I don't think so. And so to that point, why? Okay, so it's not. It, uh, maybe he intended it for it to be Starscream the whole time. Then they were forced into doing this Bay acquiescence, and then um, and and then. You know, whatever they moved on, they were like, uh, I don't know. We'll just choose throw a dart, Blitzwing. Yeah. Now the Blitzwing is an interesting choice because I think he's an iconic character, right? And he certainly won a lot of us had as toys as children. He is a triple changer. Yep. The other characters are triple changers, even though this character, this version of it's not a triple changer. So it feels like it wasn't a super um, well thought out choice because it's weird. Why would you yeah. have a movie where you finally introduce triple changers, but then don't make one of the main triple changers an actual triple exactly. changer? But but uh, uh, but and then and then they just killed him off. So yeah, to that yeah. point, they should have just made him a rando Decepticon, or just not named uh, him, or made not colored him that way. Or, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm sure. And what's interesting, I would assume you could do color tweaks sure. relatively late in the production process. But it felt like almost at that point they were like standing by their yeah. guns. To some yeah, yeah, yeah. And that... so I don't. I I I just I don't. It is very confusing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Don't support it. I think there's a way you could have maybe still made it Starscream and not and and, and not uh, honestly the way I thought Starscream would be the ad, like the primary adversary of yes. the movie. Yeah, and 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 that was exciting to me. This like Starscream versus Bumblebee proposition. Yep, and uh, that would have been really cool. But but. You know, to that end, I think this is a point where I can maybe just insert my own uh, version of what would have made this movie better. Okay. I found myself, I found myself really hoping that we'd get some kind of 
like A-list Decepticon. Obviously, okay. you didn't get uh, we we didn't get Starscream. The two that we got were, lack of a better word, nobodies. Although they were performed really well, and well, I ended up liking but, these but characters. It, but it makes them disposable, which is right, what, what right, you right. Need, which is a good thing. No. I think. Yeah, no, totally. But I kept hoping at the end you'd see like some other A-lister was actually pulling the strings or would come back behind it. Mm -hmm. And I thought a good twist on that would be like an Astro Chain or a Six Shot. Since we are introducing this concept of multi-changers, why not bring in this character who a lot of people know, but maybe isn't developed in the Bay universe mm-hmm. and, and, but still follows along this sort of concept of multiple changing and, uh, and, and make them like an actual big baddie that would give even more fan service to us G1 people <laughs> and create, but anyway, whatever, obviously that didn't happen, but I think six shots since he's, Oh, he turns into six things yeah. could have been a, an interesting, but whatever my idea is probably, would have made it worse. They don't have time for that. Yeah, no kidding. I was going to say, I mean, like, so, I mean, my my solution is not as convoluted. And Aaron, I love yours, by the way. I mean, you you could uh, you could do Overlord at that point, you know, maybe like a combining multiple things or, you know, if you want to do that. I I had a more simple uh, solution with keeping the same color scheme. Just call him Ramjet. You know, and, sure. and just yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody gives a shit about the coneheads. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless unless they're dirge, <laughs> dirge well, seems someone to get... would absolutely have a problem with that. Yeah, uh, would. the fandom would explode. Yeah. I mean, well, he fucking looked like Starscream. There's nothing else to say about it. And, right. And, uh, but, yeah. So, so Michael, what, what, uh, uh, cause you mentioned like the con problem and, and some other things. Do you have, uh, other thoughts on this, uh, Blitzwing twist or non twist? I guess it was. I mean, I think it was a case of, uh, a fan who was a director and he mm-hmm. was throwing us, you know, a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, just off the trail a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I guess a little bit of red herring is is okay. I don't know if you can use red herring as a verb, but I, I just, uh, just tried did. to. But Red um... herring is my favorite porn actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's Irish. <Yeah. laughs> and he has so much bush hair. Ladies and gentlemen, the incomparable Ryan Jett. <laughs> there you go. There you go. In fact, I, I, I got something for you here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. All right. So, um, so... I don't know. Uh, moving things along, I guess uh, one one thing we haven't talked about at all really is uh, the other human characters. I John Cena is terrible in this movie. I mean, there's there's no other two ways about it. He he's just wretched. Um, I, I think I he's exactly him as a the character they wanted him to be. Goofy, so, bumbling, um, army guy. Huh. See, I, I guess I, I, I guess I never got that characterization. I thought he was supposed to be badass John Cena. In fact, there was early speculation, especially once he shows up with like a scar on his face, that he was gonna be part of G.I. Joe and that they were gonna kinda try to tie that in that way. I'm glad they're not doing that because that character sucks. Um and like I mean like the I think like the only cringeworthy moment I'd have to think more on it, but I think the only thing that truly made me cringe is at the very end where like John Cena is like, Hey soldier. And he gives him like the most 
earnest salute ever. And I'm just, I'm just rolling my eyes. I did. Oh, I liked that. <laughs> but they were meant to make fun of him. See, like and that was the point of that. Oh, see, I, I guess he I just being too over the top. I missed that characterization because I guess I kept trying to take him seriously, and the movie wouldn't let me. Now I understand. I don't think, I don't think the movie. Yeah, I don't think the movie is trying to make you take him seriously. Okay. No, I, I, I got the same thing where I thought it was. He's like just. Uh, kind of a little bumbly, kind of like a just a soldier guy who doesn't necessarily know what's going on, and that's kind of the charm. Interesting. So it was all set up for the for the uh, you know the 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 Bender reference. Yes, the J- Judd Nelson. I, I was going to say that that is the best payoff because yeah, I I guess I see it now. Uh, thanks for helping me work that through, guys. But yeah, no, it, it's because the payoff is great. And again, all of that Breakfast Club, and I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm mildly embarrassed that it took like the second or third reference for me to be like, oh. Judd Nelson. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I know, right? I, I'm, I've, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've embarrassed I'm myself. I'm slow, too. I didn't get it till the very end. I didn't get it to the last fist raise. Yeah. Um, so. My God, that's like three fist raises. <laughs> there are. I, exactly. I, I and would that's... say John, John Cena, I felt like he was more than passable. I think, I mean, the character was maybe a little underwhelming, but he was likable. He yeah. delivered some really great lines. That whole, they're called Decepticons. Isn't that a red flag? Yeah. That's absolutely. a great line. I loved that. The, the uh, uh, I feel like he had one other one. I'm trying to think about mm. it. Um, it was, it the, was oh, good... the dad. He was like, the dad was like, uh, like something along the lines of all I did was steal some Malamars. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you know. we know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that was like, great. The, the, like those were some great, I uh, thought he had he was some genuinely... great lines. He delivered them. Well, I thought his acting was fine for what we needed it to I be. Agree. I thought he was genuinely charming. I enjoyed his performance. I liked it. Okay. I, I, and I was uh, prepared not to, oh, but sure. I, if I may say, I agree with you, and I, I agree with the premise that most of the characters, the human characters, are pretty worthless. Yeah. With I, the one exception that I would give mm. um, would be Pamela Adlon as the mom. I, I I hated the doofy stepdad character. I hated the dumb brother. I Ron, didn't think the really? nerdy friend was that great of a, a character developed very well. Yeah. But I felt her. I felt like she was great as the mom. I thought that she you know, uh, uh, delivered the projecting. Del- yeah. Oh man. We, we, we got to part right, ways go on. on that, my friend, because I was going to say wow. this, this continues the time honored transformers, uh, tradition of terrible parents. I, uh, <laughs> I, I actually kind of liked the stepdad just a little more because like, I liked, you know, like when he gives Charlie the, uh, book for her birthday and just being so tone deaf that, you know, Ooh. she's, uh, you know, a freaking emo kid. And I, I, I kind of like that more than the irritating mom stuff. They kind of didn't like the mom either. <laughs> see, kind of kind of reminded me of the Witwickies in a way, and I I fucking hate those people too. They're, they're fucking wretched. <laughs> fucking hate them dead. I I mean, are are they dead? I hope they're dead. Um, but oh, it, spark! Wow, that's poignant. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and yeah. So, uh, memo the friend. One thing I wanted to mention on that is yeah, the the flirtation stuff was kind of cute. Because uh, it it played very um, sincerely and it, it was it was genuine. Very well. But the but the one thing I did like though is like he's he's reading a GoBots magazine at one point, tosses it over his shoulder ah, in the bush. Really? 
I did not catch that. I didn't. That either. is the Easter egg I was waiting for. I was like, they can't put in Transformers, but I bet there's a GoBots gig. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's basically when Bumblebee has like the whole you know tearing up the house sequence. He comes out of his house because I guess none of these people are going to school or whatever. But yeah, it's he's, a summer. Summer, baby. Oh yeah, that's all. That that makes sense because they have summer jobs. California, at, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on on the same boardwalk that the Lost Boys takes place, by the way. Um, that, yeah, see, I, I don't. I don't understand why Memo was a nerd. They didn't really like. Is he a science nerd? Is he a super math built nerd? nerd? Is he? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. He takes his shirt off and he's fucking. Was ripped. he supposed to be a and, nerd? And it was like, yeah, I think the <laughs> idea was that he was like kind of an outcast as well. Maybe he was new. Maybe he's just shy. To the school or something. I don't know. All, All right. I know is. Uh, that kid works out. Yeah. And yeah, all so, I know is or, the girl in front right. of me at the theater were all about that character. Sure. And, you know, I got no problem with that. You know, I mean, because, I mean, again, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, like eye candy and, you know, some sexualization and things like that. I think that that's that's genuinely fine. You know, a um, kid taking off his shirt and all that. Yeah, you know, it's fine. I, I got, I got no problem, especially since we're not, you know, ramming a, a character into some uh, gal's glistony chest or whatever. I, I'm just, it wasn't over sensationalized. And I, I mean, again, I, I, I liked how the relationship paid off at the end. It's like, you know, we're yep. not there, but you know, it's, it's okay to fist bump and just be friends. I, I don't think I that love he, that. I love that that yeah, she, for that sure. they didn't get together. That yeah, was totally. re, I really enjoyed that. I don't think they Perfect. were sexualizing him by the way by in, <laughs> by him taking his shirt off. I agree. I'm just commenting that he was a buff kid and well, that, I got hard. Uh, well, I, I don't, cut this I don't out remember because I think we'd all know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Go ahead. So yeah, let, let's let's see if we can kind of wrap this up. Do we, uh, you know, um, any other Easter eggs that, or any other particular relates that anybody Did else you guys caught? See that Optimus we... Prime at the end. <laughs> Whoa. The ultimate fucking Easter egg. I will say I did like that as much as I don't like Bumblebee being a Camaro necessarily. Like seeing him and Prime on the Golden Gate Bridge, I was a little like. That's pretty great. It's neat. I don't understand it why it was very subtle and good. Yeah, I don't understand why none of their their space vehicles uh, have like I don't know why they can't enter orbit in a controlled way and they have to burn <laughs> up. But that's, yes, thank whatever. You. <laughs> that is well, I mean, because is it doesn't Bumblebee arrive in like a? I mean, they're like in. Um, un- sort of a pod. It's kind of like sorts. a yeah, cause... yeah, like in generations or uh, first contact. Oh sure, I see I again. Back, back to Star that, Trek. Like, <laughs> if you were going to make contact with Earth, you'd probably come in a very like this is an asteroid, this is a bomb. Yeah, you're oh. not going to come in like a first contact Independence Day. Well, and, and, well, John Cena thinks he's getting napalmed at the beginning of the movie. And, right. and incidentally, quick quick question is: uh, Are those guys dead? Because, like, you know, like his buddy that he's playing paintball with, and that's all very funny. But you never see that guy ever again. I actually uh, think they were dead at the start of the movie, and then that's kind of the twist of the ending. What? That's a joke. Come on. I was going to say, is this like a Jacob's Ladder situation I, type I, thing? Jacob's Ladder situation. Daniel's Ladder. It, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, was going to correct you on that. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other little thing I had was, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but whenever, I think it's when B is fighting Dropkick, uh-huh. um, there is a part where he gets, Dropkick throws him 
He transforms into vehicle mode, yes. comes back at dropkick, transforms into uh, alternate mode, and like attacks him. And I thought it was like an almost beat for beat version of when Jazz gets thrown in the Transformers intro. Oh yeah, and in, in that in that first opening when Skywarp yes. throws him, yeah. Oh dude, I didn't even think of that. I love that. That was that was one where I was like, nobody else seemed to catch that, but I'm I'm like, I think that I think that's what that's referencing. That was an amazing shot. Amazing. Yeah, I, I'd have to watch that again. I mean, you know, definitely something to uh, uh, watch out it. for. Yeah, well, Jesus, you missed Aaron, a lot. Did you watch this thing? I was going to say, you, you, you missed a lot of stuff. I was too busy stuff. taking notes. <laughs> Aaron and I both took notebooks to the theater. Uh, here, here's, a, here's a shock. Caleb didn't. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I was going to say, I, I no, I just watched the movie I, and got a lot of my notes from, like, the internet. Now, have you guys listened to, like, any other, like, podcasts or YouTube videos or any other types of reviews? Um, no, I refuse no. to. Okay. Uh, so the the only thing I've put ears on it was uh um it was the episode of Transformers University where Anthony Bercali is talking about it and he's a uh, you know he pointed out a lot of the uh, Easter eggs that I I already noticed like like the the brawn uh, shoulder shot thing I'm like hey I mean kind of it felt like it kind of took some of the piss out of what I thought I caught I'm like oh he mm. caught it too uh, <laughs> but yeah no it is that's really the only uh, bit of um, uh, I don't know uh, uh, media that I've heard on it, but uh, I did want to share with you one quick tweet from him uh, from uh, uh, TFU underscore info. Uh, quick thoughts on Bumblebee, the best Transformers movie. Period. Yes, a better film than 1986 when you strip away the nostalgia. Lots of fan service for fans who grew up the 80s and smartly done. Bumblebee is a must-see. Now, he continues, uh, somebody asks him, he says, while I don't agree about the 86 movie, I do agree it's the best live-action film. Yes, my nostalgia goggles cannot be removed. Anthony replies, the 86 movie is not a good movie, particularly if you're coming in blind to the characters, hence why it was critically panned at the time. It's a series of roughly connected music videos, much like Rocky Four and many other mid-80s films. And I say this all as someone who loves Transformers the movie and someone who hates Vince DiCola. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Really? I was just saying, Vince Dicola did this. Did both Rocky Four and the Transformers score. Oh, okay. That's I, amazing. I, I was like, whew, I just I, my I, my heart uh, skipped a beat a bit because I sorry I I love Transformers University. It's like one of my favorite uh, Transformers related oh, media thing. It's, yeah, it's so it's great. great. Um, but anyway, I, I was wondering as uh, as we close out, what a uh, you know a bunch of salty uh, G oneers and and Michael Andrews um, how, and he and me, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, just hot take. What how how do you guys feel about that? How do you think that Bumblebee kind of one ranks within the canon of movies, and how does that um, affect uh, the eighty six movie? How's that reconcile? Um, I as you were speaking, I was piecing together thoughts on this. So. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know. It is hard to take the nostalgia blinders off for sure. Yeah. I think that the Transformers 1986 movie, because it cannot 
it, it obviously it can't stand alone from the television series. And so yeah. and, and maybe that's what hindered it. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. This, uh, this movie can certainly stand alone from the Michael Bay movies or stand alone from any other Transformers media, period. It could be a total reboot if that's what people decided it was. Um, and so if that's your criteria, like, does it stand alone? Then I guess it's a better movie. Um, but do I feel like in terms of how it builds and complements the overall Transformers franchise or the brand for what it means uh-huh. in the moment? I mean, then I guess I, I couldn't say, I mean, when I think about just the art and the sound effects mm-hmm. of the animated movie, I would have to say that I feel like it's a better movie and probably more time and thought went into it. But, yeah. but um, you know, it's all subjective. And so, I mean, I, I, it just depends on what filters you're putting on. And, but I, it will never replace, I, I could... I might watch it another time or two. I might mm-hmm. buy it so I can dissect some yeah. of those Cybertron sequences. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll continue to watch the '86 movie just for fun and just to be in awe at the illustrations uh, for the rest of my life. Yeah, I I would agree with pretty much everything you said, Aaron. Um, I I, I would say, yeah, I I don't know that it's, it's really impossible to divorce yourself from the nostalgia of something because like you you viewed it in your formative years. I mean, there's no way, like maybe if I viewed Bumblebee whenever I was 10 or 11 years old, it would make a much bigger impact, which is is like a lot of the eighties movies. I love. Yep. Um, so I, I can't really, uh, you know, speak speak to that. But I would say yes, uh, as Aaron said, it stands alone, um, and it's I I it's very small. It's like uh-huh. a small contained version of the transform, which I loved about it. Yeah. I did too. Yeah, I, I love that it's a smaller cast, it's a smaller story, it makes it more inf- uh, intimate and more relatable, and uh, you know, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I love the way that the fights were were choreographed, you know, and they're Absolutely. very clear, like, at one point, the yellow robot is fighting the gray robot, then the yellow robot is fighting the blue robot, then it's fighting the red robot, it's all very clear. And part of that, just from an artistic standpoint, has to do with silhouettes. These characters have discernible silhouettes that the Bay movie characters just don't by nature of the design. And, and, And people that don't know anything about illustration or art or artwork mm-hmm. i mean the comic book people and comic book illustrators would get it but like if a character can't have a discerning silhouette you're not it's going to be garbage when you come into action sequences and i think that's that's what's partially so troublesome about the bay movie yeah. action sequences is well there's a lot there's a lot of cool stuff happening and a lot sure. of good eye candy and a, but there's you some can't get fun and some movement it. and beats yeah. but you can't discern who's who and 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 color plays a part of that but also just having the characters look like being able to tell that's an arm and that's a leg and that's a head yeah. and that's a chest yeah that's like that's Part of yeah, that. and I, I am definitely like I would be. Uh, I'm definitely would be excited to see a larger universe of like now we can talk. Like Bumblebee is fine. I never really had my heart with Bumblebee, sure. at, even in the G1 cartoon. Like Optimus Prime was pretty much who I was into, and so like I would be very excited about seeing this Optimus Prime in this franchise i'm curious as to mike andrews how he feels Mm -hmm. about this being the continuation given that he likes the the michael bay franchise 
Yeah. Oh. Guys, it's a tough one for me. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm a big fan of 80s movies. I thought this was a great homage to uh, E.T. I thought it was very much reminiscent of uh, 16 Candles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it takes away the surprise factor of... You know, with the Bay movies, we were like, who's this character going to be? Who's this car going to be? Who's going to be this? We knew exactly the minute we saw the first five minutes of the movie, this was Ironhide, this was Bumblebee, this was Ratchet. We knew that right into it. That That's hmm. gone. Uh, we're losing that. Interesting. Because I yeah. guess that feels comforting to me. <laughs> Maybe it's sure. just an old man thing where I'm like, yeah, I don't need. Sure. I mean, but if you guys are fans of the new Star Wars movies at all, you're you're constantly like, who's this character? Who's who's uh, Adam Driver playing? You right. don't get that with this. Sure. It's just it's going to be RC. That yeah, and that's fair. And you know, we can we can explore that um, later. You know, some sometime in the future because I think there's a lot of meat on that bone um but as as we close out i i kind of wanted to do uh a a quick easter egg lightning round um so you had the gobots magazine but there was also uh charlie's eating mr t cereal at some point i I love love that that. Ooh, i love that um and this this one this one i did not catch i i got it from uh the tfu podcast the uh, sheriff who's chasing them in the in the tunnel Fred Dreyer, TV's Hunter is uh, oh, is, and and uh, come on. my my wife and I watch a lot of Hunter, and neither of us caught it. And it's like holy crap! It's like again, I want to go back and rewatch it, watch it for that uh, sequence. There's um, also an Alf reference. <laughs> yep, yep, two. Yeah, and and again, it's organic within the context of the movie, right? Because Alf is a alien living with human people and passing it off. And I thought it was really clever That's that you good. know they're watching that as Bumblebee is hiding in the garage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there, there's nothing that's wasted in this movie. I mean, it's like everything has purpose. I mean, even including uh, Charlie's diving um, uh, career, you know, and that uh. comes back in the movie. Yeah. Who grown? Oh, I love you, it. Who grown? Like we it. can't we can't not talk about that. The 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 diving scene at the end was perfectly used. Yeah. I loved it. I thought I guess, it I guess perfectly it. used in that you have to tie a bow on the fact that she's a diver. Oh, I don't know yeah. why you had oh, like oh, so as a conversation in the oh, movie period. It is like whatever. obvious, but it's like it comes like that's how you do things. If it's yeah, check off it. diving. Yes, exactly. Because here's the deal if like but why she, even create the box with the word diving next to it to begin with, I guess is my question. Uh, <laughs> I okay. Diver I, is a famous transformer from G1. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it that's, was an homage. A G one homage. Never mind. I will. love it now. That's Perfectly not bad. Done. Nicely Aaron's said. I, I I would say that, you know, if you don't have that story element in there when she jumps off into the water, it's like, oh, she's a fucking Mary Sue. You know, she she doesn't know anything about diving. How is it that she could be doing diving? With no training, or you know, I, I'm clearly sure. leaning Classic into it. Caleb. If he were here, he would be saying, <laughs> "Yeah." <this. laughs> um, but I like that, and I think um, uh, one one of the things I wanted to close out on was just kind of like how it frames '80s culture in general. It um, it, it's kind of weird in that, like it. It says that it takes place in 1987, 
but it seems like everything is like in this weird timeless 1980s something it kind of reminds me of that that tv show the goldbergs a little bit i don't know if you guys have watched any yeah. of that they did an episode on transformers the movie which if you have That's not the one episode i've seen actually. okay very good. Really good so that <laughs> kind of it, it's it's not named you know it's like the 80s all happened simultaneously it's like you know young adam goldberg goes to watch return of the jedi in the movie theater and then goes to the video store and rents temple of doom you know so it's like all that stuff just happens simultaneously Mm -hmm. my point being is i think there's a little bit of this um in bumblebee but the one that really kind of tweaked my melon a little bit is I don't know about about you guys, because, I mean, again, I was a freaking rich kid or whatever. But in 1987, I had had Nintendo for two years. And and when Bumblebee is thrashing through the house, he, he bonks into, like, who who had Pong in 1987? That that just... A poor family. Uh, I guess us poor kids. Yeah, really... Yeah, so I mean, I think I think oh, in 1987 I didn't kill himself after all. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I don't think I had Nintendo yet. I think I was still on Atari. Actually, nah, 1987. Yeah, everybody had Nintendo. Great. Um, I but <laughs> did not. I don't think yet. Uh, but, but like, I I think we had just gotten a VCR. But I I kind of thought that it worked. Like they didn't go over the top with like. It's a weird thing where you see 80s movies or, or period pieces where they're like 1971, boom, everything was voluminous pants and like huge <laughs> lapels. It's like there's a there's a growth process of like not everything was all that crazy. And I just thought that, that it did a good job of being restrained where it's like not everything was wearing pasta. I disagree. Well, I guess we disagree on everything about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I felt like. The only way that this movie could have tried to show off that it was in the 80s more was that if it had like a scrolling, like CNN style (laughs) scroll at the bottom of the screen that just constantly was like, people, this movie is taking place in the 80s. How fucking cool is that? It's like, oh, just the whole movie just scrolling because I felt like. Every wink they like, and here's the thing: like, I that's I was referring to this earlier. I feel like they are trying to totally catch on to this trend of like '80s nostalgia or aping '80s uh, movie elements, themes, stories, and just visual and sound audio oh, tonalities. And really? yet, but but other people have like it's just been done. It's all superficial. Okay. Music, t-shirts, '80s style bullies. Alf, quick nods to culture, tab, well, I whatever. Know, I can get and, any deeper. And that, and that, like, I just feel like the movie is winking so hard that it just looks like it's having a seizure. Well, and that, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's like other people have played this, like, sort of, like, I think Stranger Things. Yeah. I think uh, gor- Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. All of them have managed to kind of ape that feel without being so just on the nose about it. And okay. so. You realize the kids in. Stranger Things were dressed as Ghostbusters in the Halloween episode. Yeah, that's fine. I, I guess fine. I just I, I didn't I didn't uh, I just that's think fine. I, I just they didn't did, feel that way. Like they those shows don't. I mean they they don't. I just don't like they don't make a point. Like, like this movie just felt like it was constantly like, hey, don't forget it's the eighties. You, you're probably and, right. And I guess well, it just annoyed me. Here, here's that's the, the thing. thing. It bothered you. It didn't bother me. Here, so here, I guess I, I was just thinking, like. Yeah, I'll take it. It's okay. Here's here's the thing to kind of cap on that. We're we're in a weird space, you know, uh me, Aaron, Ryan and Caleb and anybody north of 40 listening to this. It's this weird thing though because we were there. 
You know, yeah. and, and I wonder if that's how our parents felt about like how The Godfather is represented or anything else that's like a period piece. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, because I mean, I, you know, I, I haven't had this experience with my own dad, but I, I would wonder if somebody would point at a screen and say, like, that's bullshit, you know, like the way that that's portrayed, because there were a few things where I, I kind of I'm kind of with Aaron and I'm kind of with Ryan and that like it's kind of like that hyper stylized. It's it's the 1980s through the kaleidoscope of the 80s being this time in history that they weren't a part of, you know, I mean, I mean, think of yeah. it. Yeah. So and another reason why to Caleb's point it's for kids. It's just to make them it's just like dazed and confused yeah. or another like it's it's you know it's meant to evoke a time. It doesn't have to be that authentic. It's not in this maybe it's yeah. just that more that it's set in the 80s and that's okay whereas stranger things and shows like that yeah they're set in the 80s but they're also really trying to do something um uh, I don't. I know. think. Like, I think to well capture a vibe more than perhaps. But is. you have a lot of space to run with a ten epi- like a ten hour series like Stranger Things. Whereas in this movie, you've got an hour and a half where you've got to be like, this is the tone we're setting. I don't know. You yeah. guys can end on this Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. Was that tunnel in Bumblebee the movie from Back to the Future too? Yeah. It looked a lot yeah. like it, didn't it? <laughs> Mind blown. Very good. Very good catch. Um, so I guess, oh, and I guess the last thing since we're doing final Easter eggs as we as we close out here, I uh I like that that Morrissey and the Smiths was used. Um I, I, I thought that was kind of neat. I liked that Bumblebee didn't have a taste for it. And I do like that that Charlie is kind of this, you know, uh kind of tomboyish, kinda kinda emo, kinda rocker chick. I mean, she's she's like a couple few different things at the same time, and and I'm okay with that because who wasn't a confused mishmash of a few different things when they sure. were 18, right? I mean that 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 felt very genuine as opposed to like, wait a second, you can't you can't work on cars and uh be into the smiths but um but i did and right l- away he hated girlfriend in a coma <laughs> <laughs> kind of like- is that music yes somehow uh, but but i did <laughs> i did like and again this this it's 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 a subtle thing it's it's a dumb subtle thing but i do like i mean i hate the whole bumblebee has no voice trope and that mm-hmm. the speaking through the radio trope, I do kind of hate that, and I think it's like a corporate mandate thing. But I do like that his radio she takes from her father's car and passes on to him. I thought that yeah, that was beautiful. pretty cool. I liked it too. I thought that yeah. was neat, and I just I, I couldn't get out of here without mentioning that. I want to um, kind of point that out. Uh, but gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. It looks like our our time is coming to an end. Um, any final thoughts or analysis or anything that we haven't touched on uh, very briefly before I give you a quick opportunity to uh, pimp yourselves? Oh, I think I ran through the gamut, Mike. I don't think I have any any other hot takes. I think I'm uh, I think I'm tapped out. <laughs> Very good, Aaron. Uh, I I just want to say, despite all my criticisms, I believe it is a perfectly serviceable movie. I feel like um, it's kind of the I, like I wish in an alt some alternate universe, uh, the first 
Transformers live action movie was really good, mm-hmm. and this movie was the serviceable sequel to that movie. Oh, oh we're already there. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. You son of a bitch. Okay, so so anyway. so so I got to put the lid back on that kettle because otherwise it's going to boil over and your kids aren't going to be able to eat. Um, uh, Michael Andrews, final final thoughts. Uh, it was a great movie. It paid homage to a lot of '80s films. I will see it again and again and own it. But uh, I think Transformers can, fans can be challenged. We can handle more than just the 80s retread yeah and uh i would i'm, I'm sure. excited to see more from this universe very cool all right that so- was much more eloquent than what i said <laughs> <laughs> um my uh, my perspective remains unchanged i will watch it again i will own it um i liked it didn't love it it didn't blow my hair back but yeah i i could spend some more time with these people and in this universe and um you know my embargo of not watching live action transformers movies has ended so you know if if you give me more of this then i'm all in and um incidentally um i I definitely have to go check out uh, Kubo and the Two Strings now uh, because that that was the other. Yeah, see, and I I remember my my old radio co-host, she saw it in theaters with her dad and she's like, Mike, you have to see this movie. And I just, it it just fell off my radar and I never got to it. So I can just say really quickly, the characters in that, in, in all those films are so adult and so grown up and the characters in Bumblebee I felt were just, uh, pandering quote unquote to mm. a, a, a younger crowd they don't need to be talked down to okay well very good so um so michael andrews uh pizza tossing mike uh mike mike the motorcycle guy isn't there something about like <laughs> isn't there bug catching in there also or something yeah something like that okay uh, very good how uh how can people find you on the internet if they wanted to correspond with you yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Michael Andrews, and Michael is spelled the weird way, M-I-K-E-L. Uh, you can also check out my Beer and Transformers mashup Instagram at casual underscore TF. And uh, the uh, webcomic is launching, Tiny Scraps of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. I got to spell out a lot of stuff for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, Aaron and Ryan, uh, do you want to talk about the Autopod Decepticast as we uh, as we close out here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, AutopodDecepticast.com is our website. Uh, we have had an ongoing uh, <laughs> breakdown of the 1986 animated Transformers movie one minute at a time. And it's <laughs> it's pretty it's Amazing. pretty great you guys <laughs> um we, we, are we into think so special episode <laughs> oh i'm sorry what was that mike i, I was gonna say we kind of think so yeah well you should um and uh we we have some special episodes we recorded one tonight that will be coming out on the 7th um and uh it's a long one it's a rambly holiday episode that we did it was about two hours long so whoa man you you've been you've been hanging around with mike seibert radio for too long doing those two hour plus episodes oh i know it's you've rubbed off 
in the bad way. Uh, oh man! Uh, but is there Randolph such a thing? In the bad way. Not for not not for my money. Um, all right. Yeah, there, yeah we're uh, we're uh, there's also some uh, we've been uh, I've been stitching together all our script deviations uh, where Aaron and I had two different versions of the script and um, mm-hmm. every episode we talked about what was different than what I had and what he had and what was on screen. Stitch those all together. I think the last one will be coming out in two weeks after the after the um, the new episode we're dropping on the seventh. There's like fifty hours of that shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite insane. That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's it's cool that now like the minute by minute breakdown has ended. That there's still fresh new content uh, for us to enjoy. And so, you know, if you've been a fan of the 1986 movie, um, you know, go back and check out Autopod Decepticast from episode zero, and then just enjoy it. It's 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 a fun journey, you know. And really, what you'll find. Aside from the movie analysis, you'll find that it really is a podcast about friendship. So that's pretty much, uh, yeah. That's- it's just about our our specific like our friendship and our take on it. It's just a it was a reason to get together and talk about this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that that two out of three of us at least love. <laughs> um, and, uh, if you, you know what, Hey, our store is up and running. You can go mm-hmm. look at our, our pins that we have up there and our, our, uh, uh, cup recruitment poster that we have up there. And, um, yeah, we we will probably, we'll be still putting out new episodes probably at about the, the pace of like once a month, but, yes. um, yeah, we're, uh, there's more to come and enjoy. We're on, you know, uh, Google, Google play, uh, iTunes, all that shit. <laughs> yeah, add a, add, a, add a pod decast on Twitter. Well, thanks a lot, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Well, that will do it for this week's episode and for another year of Mike Seibert Radio. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my college radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes or wherever else you download your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. But if you'd really like to help the show grow, tell a friend, tell a couple friends, spread the word, because podcasting is always more fun with friends. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at MikeSybertRadio, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio, at gmail.com. And again, that spelling is... S-E-I-B-E-R-T. For Mike Seibert Radio, my name is Mike. My name is Aaron. I'm Ryan. My name is also Mike. Wishing you all the best in 2019, and until next time, make good choices. Uh, yes, yes, we hear you. Okay, yep. good. You're still there. Yeah, I think we're waiting on Mike. Cybert. Okay, I didn't know if we were like listening to his recording of it. Or well, that's what, we were, <laughs> that's what we were just saying. Like, we couldn't tell what was real. So, yeah, and we were responding to things that were pre-recorded. Yeah, we were talking. We were to, tripping we were talking balls. To, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was I was talking to a recorded version of Mike Cybert. <laughs> uh, I am I am ready when when you guys are. I hope. And just to be clear, which show are we doing this for? We are technically we are actually. Uh, Michael, we're we're doing this for our for the Autopod Decepticast. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, basically, we're just having Mike we, do a version. We've got a cut. We're we're doing a spoof on "It's a Wonderful Life," and oh, uh, so what's happening here uh, is 
that the ghost of the iconic moment comes and is because Ryan is considering um, doing quitting the podcast and focusing and doing some self improvement, <laughs> and the wow. the ghost of the iconic moment has to uh, do a good deed so that he can uh, he can go to Gangsters Paradise, and so <laughs> I love it. I don't want to build too much of it, but basically, right, the ghost yeah, yeah, don't taken, spoil the, it. The ghost is. The yeah, ghost really. has taken Ryan into seeing what the world would be like if Ryan was not in the world. But instead of the world being, uh, you know, worse off without him, it's, you know, it's, there's the antithesis. I mean, th- there's basically M- Mike's involved and it's the antithesis of the uh, Autopod Decepticast after dark. Yeah, it's as if oh, I don't exist it. in Mike's. The Autopod, like, yeah. Oh, it's called okay. Good Morning. It's like a morning, it's like a morning whatever you want to call it oh, yeah. it's brilliant. like yeah. the view it's like the view or something or ellen you know exactly. it's called it's called good morning cybertron so let me ask a question <laughs> apparently there is a podcast of some note called good morning Cybertron. yeah but this one's but called just... good morning cybertron spelling oh. like yeah note the spelling <laughs> Never I can't mind. see any legal problems I'm with that. No. <laughs> so and, coming up uh, with shooting holes in Caleb's ideas. Um, and so, um, <laughs> well, let's just do it. Let's, let's knock it do out. Do it, and then, but, but then, yeah, but then, basically, yeah. then the ghost brings Ryan back and says, "Well, that didn't work out so well." And then, but, but then Ryan decides to stay with the podcast, and uh, then yep, the ghost, it. the ghost ends up going to you know <laughs> to Gangster's Paradise, gets his wings and all that stuff, smokes some weed. You <laughs> 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 right. guys, I mean, yeah, just. When, but, when you're ready for me, just kind of give me a little announcement or something. I don't know, whatever you do. So and I'll I just, don't know what, I don't know that I, I have a role for, is, I don't know, is there Well, a no, 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 not in that, of course, but whenever it's Oh, my, for the, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. For the, for the, when we're talking about Bumblebee. I'm oh, yeah. Right, 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 just, right. just, we're just going to do this section real quick and then Mike's going to start his, Mike Cybert is going to start his show. <laughs> yeah. All right. This yeah. is a oh, thanks for helping us just, out on this, by the way. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So we just, yeah, this is just a section that we need to cut, that we need to, to record so that we can take this section and put it into our podcast. So don't talk, Mike. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Be, uh, and here's the thing. It'll be myself, the best sounding part of that episode. It's true. Uh, Here comes a new challenger. That was not the intro. That's just the thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. All right, quiet on set. Well, actually, you guys don't have to be quiet. I'm just going to turn you off. Okay. <laughs> Hello? He He's out. He was like, booyah! <laughs> he left. We can't hear Michael Andrews right now. Once he busted me on the toy thing. Was it that he hung up? <laughs> it's like, it, fuck y'all. Well, it looks like he's still connected. Weird. We can't. S- Michael, sorry to frustrate you, but we cannot hear you right now. All right. This is as good as a time as any for me to make a drink. Okay. Oh. Hey guys, you talking to me? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. It, it's it's Must fine. Have lost you there. What are you doing over there? Jesus. Good I... God, y'all. <laughs> so, Michael, it sounds like you're back. I am back. Yes. Wonderful. Very good. Moscow Mule Refilled. Ah, very good. Ryan's back. Yeah, clearly. I'm back. Mmm, hot cocoa, my favorite. And, oh, uh, I just unplugged the headphones, so I don't know if you just said anything. I don't know what it was. Oh, man. So, so Caleb, one one last thing while uh, while while we've got you. Um, so I I have done 
you know, separate podcasts with with Aaron and with Ryan. And I noticed. <laughs> and on the uh, on the the now infamous uh, Autopod Decepticast group text, uh, we were talking about you know various show ideas. And Caleb, you had mentioned that at some point in the future you wanted to talk about Big Trouble in Little China, right? I mean, that would be a dream come true for me. But it, I, I but and that's only if like that's I only want to I don't want to force anything. Well, so if you find something that you would like to talk to me to about to <laughs> Exactly. Very but, 2018 yeah. of you. But, yeah, if, if there, yeah, I'm I'm obviously I'd love to 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 be on your show. It just but you know, whatever you think would be uh, a good well, uh, a good conversation. I'm well, here to. here's the thing. Here's the thing, and this is like you know we're we're doing we're doing honest confession times. So uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, grab grab your coats and hats, and uh, um, hope you're sitting down because I realized I as I was uh, thinking about that, I have not seen Big Trouble in Little China. Well, oh, it's. It is probably the best movie ever made. Okay, uh, <laughs> except for two thousand one. So, I oh, and, Ro- seen and Road Warrior. And Road well, Warrior. Here's the thing, though. I, I, again, I'm coming from that movie in a very specific way. In that, um, I watched it over and over again as a kid, and uh-huh. I, it was one of those movies that I recorded off a of television, and it, it just, I, it was a fascinating movie to me. It's an insane film. It's, it's, it yeah. is bonkers. It, it's, and, and I don't want to, yeah. It, it's one of those things that, like, I know the movie, but I realized as I reflected on it, I know it through cultural osmosis. <laughs> and yeah. I, because, like, I, I watched a trailer on YouTube and I'm like, I, I don't think I've seen this, which, you know, that's, uh, and that's a problem I need to fix. So I think, like, sometime in the new year, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll be in communication. But I think that would be a lot of fun. Is like, sure. you know, I sit down and watch it for like that first time, and then you and I can jump on it and talk about it together it, from from that I, perspective. Please, I was going to say, from a pop cultural standpoint, it, there might be a rationale because a, supposedly a remake, a remake slash or, and or sequel. Right. Is in the works with Dwayne Johnson uh, in, I guess, a title role. I think it's supposed to be more oh, of a sequel than a remake. Oh, <laughs> so, anyway, that might give you guys, at least from a, a rel- cultural to bring standpoint, it to a right. like, modern day relevance. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. But okay. yeah, I tell you what. Either way, Mike, watch it. I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, it's a com- it's. If anything, it's a compelling movie. It is it's, it's peak Kurt Russell and peak oh, Ken Cottrell. The, the lines, the lines in the movie are just awesome. <laughs> They're so awesome. Anyway, it is seemingly unfair that some men have such a glorious head of hair. Oh yeah, and yeah. So anyway, um, uh, great. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Watch it, and we'll talk about it sometime. Because we're, you know, it, for folks of either listeners of either Mike Seibert Radio or Autopod Decepticast, aside from like that little bit of that audio that I happened to steal from the Rick Alvarez uh, um, uh, panel back at TFCon in Chicago. Thank I d- you, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I didn't realize what I had um, until like, because like we were, you know, testing our sound to uh, uh, record the uh, Mental Movie Moments Autopod Decepticast panel, which, uh, uh, pop quiz, guys, what episode number is that for folks that wanted to listen to it? Uh, It'll be two episodes. I, what do you mean? <laughs> I what? think it's 84? 
I don't know. Clearly, in I the eighties. Clearly, I didn't but, rehearse this. I just now thought we're, of it. But, but, but we're also going to edit. We got the video now, and I'm going to edit the video together and add the PowerPoint slides into that. Anyway, blah 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 blah. That's what we were doing when you recorded. That's where we met Michael. Michael Andrews', Andrews magical question to Rick Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, so I fucked up my own segue in typical Mike Seibert radio fashion. Uh, <laughs> Good. Cool. No, that, that's incredibly exciting. And, you know, I remember, Mike, we uh, when when you and I talked at TFCon, it was like, you know, you were telling me about like, you know, like the the setup you've got at home. And I'm like, oh, dude, we, we could totally like, you know, hook up and have you on the show. And because I'm I'm a terrible friend and an awful scheduler, I've I've proceeded to do nothing with that. But but no, I literally had to invite myself on this show. It's true. It's true. And, and that's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, wait a sec. And the light bulb went off. I'm like. Well, sure. I mean, it, it's again. I choose fun, so yeah. Let's, uh, you know, it's 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 always great to get more voices, new perspectives, and because really, I mean, not to not to get too uh, too deep in the feels on it, but that's the thing that connects us all. We're we're all fans of this franchise, and really, it's it's their dumb podcast that that really puts us all together um for because sure. because sure. none of us would have would you're have... welcome <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it's mike cybert in the morning or or whatever the hell we called that um anyway so um so yeah uh michael i i definitely would love to have you on uh in the future as uh you know things get closer to being developed and of course launching and things like that. So, so do me a favor when you have stuff to promote and you want to jump on and talk about it, bug me because if, if you wait for me to come to you, um, you, you might be in that pile with some of my other friends. Sorry, Brant. <laughs> I've got a friend in a, in an awesome band, uh, Mr. Master, who's like, Hey, I'd love to be on your show. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show. That was like fuck off. Four, What's your face? Uh, yeah, that was that was like that was like three, four, five months ago, and it's just I, I'm I'm just I, I'm the worst, I guess. I, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, but if I did, it would be to yeah maybe be a better friend and maybe schedule better. But uh, but that's oh it's all good. I'm just happy to be here. Uh, I met my heroes at TFCon, and it's super. Super so, amazing just to be talking with you guys. I hope by when you say you met your heroes, you mean Rick Alvarez. And Absolutely. So I, I, thought it was, I thought it was me. Just Rick sure. Alvarez and any stranger I met. And then you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and after Flint Dilly and after James Roberts. And then, yeah. And then all these other knuckleheads that, that couldn't quite seem to stay out of the bar for some reason. God, I, oh I, I think I still Don't have. Don't go there. I, I still have a hangover from uh, from Chicago, and that was that was like four months ago. Um, I yeah. cringe a little bit when I think of it. Like I sort of just, yeah, I get that little backup in my throat. <laughs> well, uh, I think within minutes of, of meeting you, Mike Andrews, uh, Aaron knocked the drink out of my hand and it smashed to the floor, and I had to. That's correct. Yeah. No, I, I was going to ask that question. Were you? Were we? Had we already met when that happened? <laughs> Were you it's a little bit there? blurry, guys, to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, no, we, we were in line to check in at TFCon Chicago, and 
And so I I was there basically, uh, like to I was kissing all the ass of all the transformer other transformers podcasters that I wanted to meet, and I uh, like immediately we were in line next to the the transmissions or a couple of the transmissions fellas and mm-hmm. Daryl, uh, we were talking to Daryl the Cybertronian mm-hmm. Beast and mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here talking to him trying to like be uh, you know boisterous I guess and I I think I moved my arms. In exaggerated a fashion, fashion and I straight up knocked an up martini out of Ryan's hand to the floor so any sort of uh, work I was doing to try and impress I guess my version of the heroes uh, was <laughs> thrown into the that garbage PR, brother. In, the, in, yeah, in, yeah, in the in a very me fashion made it awkward by destroying <laughs> but it was Ryan's fun because I got ground. a free drink Oh, there you go. Anyway, all's well that ends well. So, Aaron, you had hey, we're talking about Bumblebee, right? Wait, well, (laughs) you had you had something you wanted to mention about our good friend Michael Andrews before we moved on. Yes. Oh, I don't know how this Michael motorcycle thing became a thing. I don't know, Mr. Andrews. Are you even aware of that as a thing? No, not at all. Well, if he's not aware of it, then I guess it doesn't even really matter. I sometimes refer to you as Michael Michael Motorcycle. Oh, it, classic uh, childhood uh, slander. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, I, I, I think I, I think well, there's two things that are involved in this. I'm a designer, illustrator type of guy, and there is a poster artist that goes by the moniker of Michael Motorcycle, and I didn't realize it. Like for whatever reason, we when we refer to you around the 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 arc as we call it the recording studio i'll mm-hmm. sometimes call you michael motorcycle mm-hmm. and 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 i realize that it's not even there's no nobody has a connection to why that is even a name oh i hate motorcycles and at first i tricked myself into thinking it was actually a reference to ralph s mouse the mouse in the motorcycle oh my God. but yeah, i'll and take I, that and that's what I thought I was referring to. And then I realized by the fact that nobody knew what I was talking about when I said that, that, oh, wait, no, that character's name was Ralph S. Mouse. That was the mouse in the motorcycle. There was no Michael motorcycle. Where am I getting this from? And then I realized it, there's a poster artist named Michael Motorcycle. Good grief. And uh, we can cut this out entirely. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I just can't help thinking how relatable this is to any listeners. <laughs> well, but that's okay because uh, I, I was so super- he's coming up to some degree or another on at least from a mike seibert standpoint yeah because i i i get super confused because i remember when we were in chicago we were in my uh hotel room kind of going through uh the the the, yeah (laughs) there's plenty of video available of mike's hotel room good thing Mm -hmm. i got those uh uh yeah, exactly. Um, anyhow, uh, Caleb kept referring to Michael as Pizza Toss and Mike, and and uh, Aaron over here is talking about like Mike, Mike, motorcycle, Mike, and I'm just like, who the hell are you guys talking about? What are these the same person? Are they different people? Are one of these people me? I, I'm very confused. I'm very confused. So it was. Do you a- guys get the reference to Pizza Toss and Mike, by the way? No. It it is the that the Ninja Turtles action figure Pizza uh, Toss yeah, and Mike I, shot I, little pizzas out. I assumed it was Ninja Turtles related. I mean, I also like pizza, but right. <laughs> well, well, we'll right for pizza. Well, and 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 again, that that's where the Lady Gaga and Transformers Venn diagram overlaps. It's it's in pizza. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're talking about Bumblebee, right? Uh, minimally. 
Well, I was I was just going to say, you know, as uh, as we close out, because it's probably time to, uh, you know, kind of uh, get... I gave myself a, a six o'clock extension. <laughs> well, love it. I mean, I, I, I love this. These guys are never going to eat. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, where's our food? Daddy, we want to eat. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm talking about Transformers. Go away. That's right. There are... <laughs> Call there Panda are, Panda. Uh, orphans that they're being fed out of a soup pot. <laughs> This took a really weird turn. Um, I don't know. So, like, um, uh, and I totally forgot my uh, my train of thought. Let's. uh, 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 So, is Aaron still with us? He is. Okay, very good. So, I'll to the bathroom. Oh, very good. (laughs) Behind the curtain. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll I'll trim that out. <laughs> but um, all right, so we're we're just gonna go around the room uh, sequentially. Um, I I will start, and then we'll go Aaron, Ryan, and then uh, Mike, and just you know say your name. You know, for Mike Cyber Radio, my name is Mike. My name is Aaron. My name is Ryan. My name is also Mike, or whatever. And then I'll say until yeah. next time, make good Fine. choices. If you have something that you want to lock out with, like pistols at dawn or whatever, feel free and do that. So we will do that now for mike cybert radio my name is mike my name is aaron my name is ryan pistols at dawn <laughs> my name is also mike and until next time and that's it <laughs> also pistols at dawn you want to check do that please <laughs> i'm 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 keeping this as an outtake but yeah let's do it again <laughs> sorry 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 yeah okay so i say my i'm not name. doing my thing i'll just say my name okay if, you know, I probably could have stitched this together, too, if I wanted to, but whatever. All right. For Mike Seibert Radio, my name is Mike. My name is Aaron. I'm Ryan. I'm Mike also. And until next time, make good choices. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. Make the t-shirt. <laughs> also, okay. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Wow, man, that was fun. Can't wait to do it again. Yeah. And I'll just just wait for people to disconnect. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to feed the dog.